This is Link to the Cast, your weekly dose of video games and nerd culture ephemera available everywhere good podcasts are sold. I am this week's party host. I am the platforming prodigy. I am a world-renowned expert of FIFA. I am Mark Robinson. Uh, With me this week, not Dave Ryan as he is away on assignment, but I do have with me, as always, Mr. Consistency, the head of the table, the tribal chief, Thomas Tuchel's favourite son. He is Jack Lazell. Jack, how are you? Hello. I'm good, thanks, Mark. I'm feeling good. Uh, I I've just eaten some really really delicious pork uh, and like porkori, and I feel fantastic about that right now. So yeah, settling in for some some top draw podcasting this evening. I'm looking forward to it. I am currently three vodkas deep from a ten year work anniversary event. So I try to sober up a little. I'm not sober. I'm not exactly drunk, but I'm you know I'm feeling a little bit a little bit cut. You know thought you were going to say like a 10 year old bottle of vodka i was going to be like mm, you may go blind it i don't know does vodka just last? Smart off. is, uh, is, is it, it like whiskey does it age i, I don't uh, actually no. know did you was it i heard something recently that there's some new technique where they can have um whiskey instead of it aging for like 15 years in a barrel they can do it within you know like a couple of weeks or something i heard that was a thing not really that you'd care because you haven't been drinking for what, like 10 years now yeah but is that with time travel uh, possibly. I Just because like I feel like they could probably do some more important things. things. Uh-huh. Like I, I'd like to know, like if Jack Daniels invented time travel in Lynchburg, Tennessee, that they wouldn't just be hoarding it so they could age their whiskey really quickly. They'd actually, you know, be trying to repair horrible things that potentially happened in the past or are going to happen in the future. Just saying. I would prefer that as the plot of Back to the Future 3, but that's just a... <laughs> Party! We've got to save the barrels! <laughs> I just love that. Yeah. Christopher Lloyd. What a legend. Do you know um, Do you know John Lithgow almost got that role? I only found that fact out really, really recently. Can you imagine John Lithgow as See, Doc? I, I, I only now really hear John Lithgow as um, Lord Farquaad. And yeah. Funnily enough, that's funnily something enough. on the Heath about that. <laughs> Uh, but he was also in um, oh, what was the the sh- the film last year or the year before the whole Fox News scandal? Yeah, he was in that. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember what that film was called. It was a good film though, like Bombshell or something. Yeah. Do you know who we could possibly ask? Bombshell. You might know is our special guest this week making his return after only being away for like four or five weeks. But he is Cork's favorite son. He is Garrett Kidney. Garrett, how are you? Hello. I like the way he's just like pivoted introducing him. We've gone too long without introducing the guest. Honestly, well, to be fair, Jack is usually on the end of that every week. Yes, and that's what I was doing, is I was playing that out just to be like, right, for once, this is usually me waiting for Dave and Mark to finish a vamp. So uh, as much as I really do like Garrett, I was just like, you know what, I- I'm going to see what this feels like. I felt powerful, I'm not going to lie to you, Garrett, but how are you doing, mate, anyway? Filibustering the guest, it's it's an outrage. Dave Ryan's avoiding me, though, so, you know, that's... Uh, he, he, yeah. he runs every time I'm invited on the podcast, or I'm just the official Dave Ryan substitute which is it 
yeah, I mean, it's you and Sean McGee. He just he, he if if we have the two of you on the podcast, he might not come on again for a few more months. So, yeah, you 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 in in an illustrious company there, I would say. Yeah, I'm doing fine. In the what six weeks since I've been on the, been on the show, Sheffield United were relegated, which is very upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> and then there was like the whole Super League thing, which gave me some amount of hope that if it went ahead, they'd boot some of those teams out of the Premier League, and then maybe you know keep Sheffield United in the Premier League. We didn't go to any Super League, but that didn't happen either. So I'm the only person in the world though. upset that the Super League didn't happen. Just you would have been right in there if you could. Listen, if they were, if Sheffield and I were like, we have signed up for the Super League tomorrow, I'd be like, yeah, all right, <laughs> I'm on board with this. Like somebody spelled Liverpool wrong, and improbably they wrote Sheffield United instead of Liverpool. <laughs> An and easy typo to make. It's very it's... easy. Yeah, your autocorrect came in. Did you mean Sheffield United? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, there you go. But think of it on the flip side. Like you might win some games next season, so that might be fun. Yeah. What, in the Super League? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Just battering Barcelona every week. Yeah, Barcelona coming to Bramall Lane. Bit of alliteration there. I mean, it. they can't even win at the fucking new Camp anymore, so anything's possible. New Camp, old Camp, they ain't got any Camp anymore. It is the oldest stadium in England. The, the history is there. The, the tradition and culture of the Super League will be established, as opposed to all these rich teams. Anyway, before we go into another 36 minutes about football, <laughs> let's, uh, you know what, let's just jump straight into what we've been watching this week because we have an eclectic lineup of visual feasts here to go through. I, I want to start with Jack just because I also recently, I, I recently watched the original and I also watched the musical of it. So I feel like maybe I can add some um, extra <laughs> kind of context to that as well. But Jack, Shrek. 20 yeah. year anniversary. It is, yeah. God bless it. Um, you're a musicals guy now, before we get into this. I'm not, I'm not a musicals guy. It's just that Netflix had Shrek the Musical, which, you know, just with... Just even if you're not into musicals, you, you probably have at least some sort of perverse interest to know, like, what the fuck is Shrek the Musical? What does that even look like, sound like? Yeah. Um, and then Hamilton, you know, everyone says Hamilton's good, so I watched Hamilton. Everyone wants to know how they incorporate All-Star into Shrek the Musical. <laughs> exactly. And they fucking, the cowards didn't even throw it in there. I, That's unbelievable. No. Yeah. What's I was literally, like, right at the start, it's like, okay, like, it, this whole musical rests on the fact if All-Star is in here or not, and it wasn't in there, and then so the next, like, two and a half hours, like, what the fuck are we even doing? What's it? even the point? What's the I point? Know. And what even joke. worse is they have um, I'm a Believer at the end, like the, the kind of big musical ensemble. They have that. So they have, like, you must say copyrighted music, whatever the case may be, but they have tracks from the film in the musical, but they don't have the one that has to be in there. Is Hallelujah in it? No. Oh, okay. I was going to say, because if they had the Hallelujah like Leonard Cohen, but they couldn't get Smash Mouth to fucking sign off on that, that well, would that be wasn't. I suppose the original was Leonard Cohen, but it was uh, Rufus Rainwright, that version, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, Rufus Wainwright, as Ross would say. Yeah, Um, I'm not going to lie to you. That scene where he bursts out of the outhouse, um, like, perfectly in time with the start of some... But like it's just that maybe, explosion maybe happens. the most culturally significant event of the 21st century do you know what it's like you know in a royal rumble where an old wrestler comes out and you'd never <laughs> really like them that much this old wrestler 
fucking honky tonk man let's do this exactly what i was thinking was honky tonk man and you're singing along with the honky tonk man i'm like i'm just proper giving it the oh the years stop coming and it does and i'm just like absolutely <laughs> loving that shit man i'm i'm marking the hell out for for all star by smash mouth because normally you hear some but and you just whatever like media is playing that is doing that to you you immediately eliminate it and switch it off because it is like it's a fucking dead only pain can come but queued up with shrek man i'm into it you know what my main thing was it's the 20 year anniversary of shrek recently there's a podcast i listened to that they had talked about shrek and stuff and i was like man you know what i haven't seen it in so long i have to go back because i really did like it when i was younger i know mark you saw it a ridiculous amount of times so i think there was like a younger sibling of yours wasn't there who really liked watching yeah it. i feel like everyone has like that sibling who watches that one film and it's obviously usually gonna be like a pixar or, or dreamworks or whatever and i had a young sister who would not watch anything other than shrek and as far as like animated films can go you can do a lot worse yeah but i have heard all star about ten thousand times but yeah so i went back to watch it first of all i was like i wonder if there's anything like cancelable in trek or any jokes that are like really haven't aged well just from a societal context and i'm pretty pleased to inform you that there wasn't really any jokes like that so like you can go back 20 years like old trek like 20 year comedies from around that time i'll give you a like uh, a clear road trip came out in that year like with with tom green and stuff like that if you go back and watch that there's probably at least five things in there that would just make you want to vomit in your mouth um and that's not just from tom green doing normal tom green things like there's probably things where you're like oh that's just wrong in, in 2021 but in 20 2021 context for shrek i think it's awesome and you know what i just i just found it delightful mark i'm not gonna lie to you the whole experience of rewatching shrek it, I don't know, it, it's tied to a very sort of, you know, familiar childhood memory of enjoying watching it when I was younger and being at the right age and all the toilet humour and stuff. And, you know, some of that stuff you go back and you think, nah, that's not that funny. But fucking, like, just Eddie Murphy in general in this movie just absolutely slays. Like, any time he's given just... Because you can tell a lot of it is vamping as well. Like, there's there's very obvious, like, plot beats of, like, well, we need to get to the thing to go on the journey to rescue the princess, blah, blah, blah. But, like, things like the parfait moment where Eddie Murphy's just going on about how delicious parfait is. You can tell that it's just like, right, Eddie, we just need you to fill some time, mate. Just, you know, you just go, go right ahead and say whatever you want. And those moments are all class. And yeah, just I think the way it uses music, like, you know, the little the Duloc thing, the little kind of uh, tableau thing that plays all the music as they go in, wipe your hands and wash your face, etc, etc. It's so much fun. Everybody, like, in the voice cast just sounds like they're having an absolute blast. Like, it's really performative and, and bright and happy. And yeah, I just, it's like 90 minutes and... I've just, yeah, had a great time watching it. It's still a good film in 2021. I, d- I don't think I maybe laughed as much as I did when I was like 14 or something watching it for the first time. But uh, i got to give it up to, to, to Shrek, man, and DreamWorks because it was the first really big DreamWorks hit. Uh, and it's still good. 2021, who would have thought it? Shrek, 20 years later. But yeah. I, do, I do yearn for those nostalgic years where Mike Myers was still relevant. It's... yeah the love guru buried him yeah and rightfully didn't so didn't rightfully so like six feet below the ground apparently him and dana carvey are doing adverts for um i think it's like an uh like a food ordering app or something in america at the moment and 
a few people were just saying it's just really sad because he's had like kind of weird plastic surgeries and stuff and so you're just seeing like a like a weird old plastic it, surgery it, isn't it weird though like when you have the kind of thing because you've got um Jean-Claude Van Damme like doing the the cause light adverts and that's not seen as tragic but is it just because Jean-Claude Van Damme obviously didn't really reach the highs that Mike Myers did no one expects anything out of Jean-Claude Van Damme that's the difference I guess well Bloodsport is pretty cool I like that yeah it's 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 time cop not so much I think um I think with with Myers People did really like him as a guy, and a lot of he wasn't in a lot of movies, but the the movies that he did tend to be in were very good. Um, like even if you want to go like I think pre Wayne's World to say like I'm Ar- I'm so Aaron and Axe Murderer and stuff like good movie, and then all the Wayne's World films, are, the, both the Wayne's World films are good. All three of the Austin Powers movies are good. It's kind of demission returns, but they're all incredibly watchable. Like I don't, and I guess he was like massive at the time as well. Yeah, all those you know? films had big cultural moments as well. So he was like yeah. right there in the forefront for a while. And and even just if you take like the fact that you know you've got a music video with like Madonna, um, that, that's that's massive. And that was in her yeah. what like third or fourth resurgence when she was again one of the kind of bigger pop stars in the world. So that's you know you, you're at the forefront. That's a good song as well, Beautiful Stranger. It's a good song. Like, Very I good actually song. Quite, like. That era of Madonna was really cool. Like in between her trying to be like, "No, I'm young. I've got Timberlake producing my music now and everything." Era and the you know '80s kind of massive boom and stuff. I quite liked her '90s era where she was just doing some more like interesting stuff. Like you know, I mean, she had Ali G in a video at that point as well. She was just kind of all over the map. You know, she started going out with Dennis Rodman. She just she was just throwing shit at the wall, man. So we've just gone from Shrek to Dennis Rodman in about four minutes. That's <laughs> you know what if Dennis that's Rodman a record. was a voice in Shrek, he'd probably nail it. Um, you know, he could be the, he was nicknamed the Worm. He could be a weird creature hanging out. Here's, in here's, here's a question I have for for both of you, though. I, I don't know, uh, Garrett. Like Shrek films, have you seen them all? Uh, can can I can I pose this question? That is like the Shrek sequels. Do they hold up as well? Because I think they do. Not sure about that. I, I've I've seen them all recently. And I think the the sec the, the first sequel I think is a perfectly good film. Um, mm. uh, the third one, Justin Timberlake's kind of phoning it in. It's kind of forgettable. But the fourth one's I wouldn't say like a return to form, but it's okay. Yeah, I haven't watched Shrek films in a very long time. But like, I think my brain says the same. In that, like, first one great, second one good, third one bad, fourth one eh, pretty okay. And Puss in Boots is a, a, a perfectly charming little spinoff mm-hmm. as well in its own mm-hmm. right. So yeah. I mean, Puss in Boots is the high point of uh, of Shrek 2. Oh, by the way, everyone always talks about All-Star being associated with Shrek. And anybody, anyone with like decent cultural knowledge knows, of course, Rat Race. it's more associated with the Digimon movie. Oh! <laughs> wow. Yes, it is. Like, God, it, that was in All-Star, just on its own, must have made Smash Mouth so much goddamn money. And the Digimon movie like- came first. So everyone's like, oh, it's the Shrek song. It's like, no, it's the Digimon movie song. Was it before Rat Race? Um, I don't know. When was Rat Race out? Digimon was 2000. Oh, God. Rat- I want to say Rat Race might have been 2001 as well. So, yeah, it was. Don't but delete then... the legacy of the Digimon movie, everybody. Come on. I mean, Digimon are the champions after all, are they not, Garrett? Uh, Digimon lied to us about the whole idea of a digital world being good. We've all lived in a digital world now for a year, and it's not good. Digimon, Digimon lied. 
Maybe if we lived yeah. in the computers, it would be better, though. We should have been more along Madonna's lines to bring it back and live in a material world. Like, if everyone's made of wool, like in Yoshi's Woolly World, <sighs> that's pretty cool. That's a world I want to live in. I never got Digimon, i got to be honest. I remember I remember watching that first episode thinking, you know, because we're proper at the, the Pokemon hype levels at that, that time, and I'm, I'm there as, a, as an eager 13, 14-year-old thinking, okay, yeah, cool, this is the next Pokemon. I, honestly, like, from the theme song, it's already all downhill, if I'm being perfectly honest. How dare you? Yeah. I just love the idea that someone's in the studio, though, and they're like, so these pocket monsters are are really popular what do we do um well they're digital they're like digital yeah yeah <laughs> for some reason japanese people are cockney so they're right they're digital fucking monsters right <laughs> what we could do is we could give it one of the old uh short and portmanteau type things there and then uh give it a digimon like a pokemon you know what i'm saying and then there it was. It was born on that and, day. And, and I think they're the champions, right? I think they're the thinking, champions, yeah. possibly reigning, maybe defending. Not, not I'm sure about undisputed, though. And there you go. That was that was it. Yeah. See, Garrett, we've just rewritten the history of your beloved Digimon. Are you okay with this? Just just let us know. To be fair, that's probably where it came from. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, everything goes back to Cockneys, doesn't it? Really, you know. Bunch of people confused by Pikachu, being like, "What? What if they were in a machine and and, and yeah. pixels, perhaps? <laughs> Some sort of computer is like is displaying my monster for me. That's much better." I was I was finding that like the history of the you know the new Pokemon's fascinating because like Digimon was obviously the new Pokemon and it never happened. You had Yokai Watch for a while that everyone was like, oh, it's the new Pokemon, and that yeah. that didn't really happen either. And remember Temtem? Remember how much people were talking about how Temtem yeah. would be the new Pokemon? Is that yeah. not still like in early access? I don't even think it's yeah. I don't, I don't think it's actually officially released yet. <laughs> Wasn't even like fucking Beyblade considered oh, as yeah, like Beyblade. not not exactly a, a Pokemon, but just that kind of collector form. And Yu Gi Oh, of course, as well. Of course, these of both course. towards the back end of my primary school life. I never, I got into Yu Gi Oh. I never got into Beyblade. I was like, oh, these Beyblade things. I'm not going to pull this strip and spin them. <laughs> I want to say Yu Gi Oh was was a thing. And then it sort of became a bigger thing afterwards. You know, kind of how, like, the Pixies influenced all of the sort of early 90s alternative, like, loud, quiet, Nirvana-esque bands. And then everyone's like, oh, we're influenced by this band. And then as a result of that, they kind of got bigger after the fact. I feel like Yu-Gi-Oh! might have slightly predated or been around at the embryonic stage as a Pokemon and then sort of been dragged along for a ride, as it were. By well, the I Pokemon feel like Yu-Gi-Oh! would have been an offshoot of Magic the Gathering. Like you, yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh! had a, a it had a, like a, a much darker, weirder pilot season that just like completely tonally different from the Yu-Gi-Oh! everyone knows and loves. And obviously that didn't get picked up. They smoothed the edges, smoothed words. The edges made it more child appropriate. But I, I think that was like mid nineties as well, like ninety six, ninety seven ish. While wow, Pokemon it goes far that back. I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. It it definitely was. It was definitely around. I think it pre- like the cards. Was it a card game first or an anime first? I feel like it was a card game in Japan, and then they turned it into an anime. Uh, but we did. Did we ever get? We got video games, but they just did not slap at the level that the Pokemon video games did. Like if you go and had a video game that reached the sort of popularity that Red and Blue had, we might still be talking. We might be talking about Yu-Gi-Oh! Snap on the show today. <laughs> you know, <laughs> taking pictures of my dark magician. <laughs> Yeah, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get Jack Daniel's time machine they use for aging whiskey and go back and get Nintendo to jump on board with the, with a, a, a better Yu-Gi-Oh game that everyone wants to play. 
So as Jack steers this podcast right off the rails, as he is one to do, I'm going to bring it back on course, and I'm going to move over to Garrett's, and I'm going to start with the X-Files. Now, did you talk about this the last time you were on, or I feel like we've spoken about the X-Files at some point in the, in the recent past? Uh, no, I talked about Scrubs, and, and then Jack hates me. And yeah, Scrubs and X-Files, two, two, two sides, same coin. <laughs> I enjoyed that. I was kind of hoping you would cut in with Shrek and just be like, yeah, fuck Shrek. So we could have like, a little chat about it again. Because I listened back to it, and I was like, oh, that was quite a fun conversation. The actually, deep, cynical nature of DreamWorks and Shrek ruining animation taking all the character and spirit out and replacing it with pop culture songs and fart jokes Disney rolling over in his grave watching them I, I can do it if you want <laughs> <laughs> well listen you, Jeffrey Katzenberg you know he's a powerful man he will find you and listen just I'll just mock him about Quibi and he'll walk away <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah wow Quibi I wonder how much money he lost on Quibi uh, I'm sure well, he's all right. He lost probably nothing at the end. It's probably some investment bankers and lost all the money on Quibi. Yeah, it'd be funny if it was uh, if it's JP Morgan after recent <laughs> developments. But yes, the X Files. Um, I really like Fringe, which is the second thing we'll talk about. Um, and uh, as Jack points at his Fringe, yeah. uh, a visual gag at a podcast, which is, <laughs> is the thing everybody loves. Um, <laughs> Uh, but uh, I read like Fringe, and I know that that Fringe was considered at the time like it, it was a spiritual successor to the X Files. The idea was like we'll do a thing that's like based on the X Files, but different in our own personality. And I think they're they're both on Fox, so the idea of Fox like let's do the X Files again. So given my love of Fringe, I was like I'm going to watch the X Files, and I went back and I'm about I think the start of season two. I'm like five or six ep- or three, five or six episodes into season three, and it it's a weird it doesn't really hold up it's like one of those monsters like all the monster of the week stuff it's it's perfectly fine it's perfectly offensive and in the end i was just like i just want to go watch fringe again so that's what i ended up doing uh, and fringe is maybe my favorite have you ever watched fringe I, i've seen I have not like, even watched the x-files like seen- my my reference point for the x-files is that bit in the simpsons with homer <laughs> well the episode where burns is all like tripped out no, just yeah, where, no, just the bit where Homer specifically is on the treadmill. <laughs> oh, and they're like his fat jiggling is hypnotic, <laughs> and they're just <laughs> just staring at him the whole time. Yeah, um, no, I've seen a few episodes of Fringe. I, I it's okay. It's one of those things where I'm like, I would need to really commit to sit down and watch all of it because there's quite a lot of it, isn't there? There's there's at least there's got to be a hundred odd episodes. Yeah, there's deep, five deep. seasons. So yeah, yeah. I think it's I think it's a hundred even. It's probably a hundred even, give or take. Dead over, dead a hundred. Yeah, I, I, I just don't have the. Uh, I'd, I'd need to really commit to it, basically. Like if someone was around me with a real fringe, like Garrett, for some reason, if you decided that you've gone destitute and you want to live in, you know, my house, <laughs> um, that that that's your only option, and you like, oh, I'm gonna chuck on fringe. I'd probably watch it with you, but I'd need that enthusiasm to come from an external force if I was gonna watch it. I would say I've had that with my partner. Like she smashed through the entirety of Desperate Housewives in about three weeks, and because of that and through osmosis, I've seen now most of Desperate Housewives, which I definitely would have not watched under any other circumstances. Yeah, and now Mark is looking to sleep with all the Spanish gardeners he can find. <laughs> I mean, I could do worse. Yeah, true. 
But it, so fringe, fringe, God, yes, yeah, fringe. <laughs> uh, it, it's basically everything I wanted the X Files to be, and it wasn't because like the, the X Files has all the like conspiracy theory stuff, but it's all just kind of boring. And like the the show is like the character dynamic between Mulder and Scully, and that does more or less work. And anytime those characters aren't on the screen together, the show is dreadful. And like like um, uh, Scully gets pregnant, or um, what's her name? Anders, what? The, who plays Scully? Gillian Anderson. Gillian Anderson. There we go. Uh, she gets pregnant at the start of season two, so she goes away for a while, and the show just gets utterly dire for like ten episodes. It's like, oh it's god, just David Duchovny looking. Like, it is. Really it's literally just David Duchovny staring like bleakly at the screen, being like, "I'm vaguely attractive in a way that you can't quite put your finger on." That's his entire thing, and uh, the show became really bad. And I'm just like, I'm just gonna watch the show I really liked that inspired the show that's much better. And like Fringe does all the stuff. That it's much better written all the the monster of the week stuff is much more interesting the core conspiracy theory stuff is much more interesting john noble in that show who you may know from playing denethor in lord of the rings is so good in fringe like so good it's like a top tier tv performance he's absolutely incredible in that show never got nominated for an emmy because it's a travesty that's really what i wanted to give out about the fact that john noble has never been nominated for an emmy for fringe despite <laughs> just an exceptional performance and like like the, the way fringe like lays the seeds for all the little character beats it unrolls in like season two in particular is is so satisfying i'm i'm halfway through season two and i'm literally watching it as if i've never seen it i'm like late nights i'm like oh i'm just gonna watch another episode of fringe even though i know what happens in this show it's not like i like i need to know what happens i'm just i'm just gonna keep on going i can't stop watching fringe no is it um with fringe in the x-files you know when someone says to you like oh you like this 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 thing this entertainment uh whatever product product or project it is it was influenced by this you should go and watch this and then you go and watch the thing that influenced it and you're like yeah i I don't want to i don't i don't need to know about this i don't need to have watched this like you know you don't if if there's a modern gangster movie that you like and i mean everyone should go watch goodfellas but if someone says to you are you know you gotta watch goodfellas to understand it a lot of the time you you don't like it might <laughs> it might influence you and you might be okay I, I do enjoy this and this is good thing but yeah sometimes if you just have a thing that you like you don't always necessarily have to go and back and watch the things that you like from the past to to understand it you can just soak in the thing that you like and then if you want to you then go and look after it you know it's one of those is that what kind of what, what prompted you to try x-files to connect it back to fringe it was basically that it was just like yeah this is the thing that inspired this so surely i like the thing that inspired it too and i think as you said the problem is like fringe stands on the shoulders of the x-files very clearly in a way that you can see in terms of how it builds its overall narratives and how it does its monster of the week stuff like without x-files there would not be fringe but going like back from Fringe to the X Files, it's like this show just did everything. Like it's it's the, the like the incremental improvement. It's the step forward from the thing you go back and watch. It's like it's kind of interesting to see where all the inspirations for this show came from. And there is certain episodes of X Files that are very like obviously uh, are mirrored in Fringe. But like, is it good in its own right? Not really. And there is like every so often like, like there's two or three episodes of the X-Files a season that are like these really good self-contained stories that really work in their own right and the rest is just kind of nothing. Not even muck. It's just nothing. It's just completely inoffensive unremarkable television. 
And, and, and yeah, I think you're right. If you go back from watching something that something very clearly inspired uh, was inspired by, you're just going back and seeing the thing you like maybe done in a in a not even a worse way, but maybe more primitive way. Yeah, potentially like a more antiquated way. Like if you enjoy a heist movie, you don't have to watch Rafifi. Like <laughs> Rafifi is good, but you don't have to watch it to understand people steal thing, then thing gets them caught and bad thing happen like you you can get that from from the from what you're watching you don't have to be as much of a nerd about it two things though finally about the x-files i would say number one i feel like a lot of drama and sci-fi shows and stuff in the past now suffer in comparison to modern shows because they're like serialized it is a monster of the week type thing Mm -hmm. because it is weekly television they want someone flipping through the channels to be able to find the x-files and not feel alienated by a storyline that they've completely missed whereas a lot of things now self-contained right so it is a complete series that might drop on a netflix or an amazon prime or something all at once or it might have a common theme because they know people are gonna either a wait to binge it or b they are watching weekly because it becomes like a source of kind of social contact to people to talk about this thing on twitter or instagram or tiktok videos making about it any of that stuff um so i do feel like when you go back and watch some of these older shows that are just okay so it's all the characters but every week everything changes and there's not that many through lines now uh, are you saying if they did murder she wrote but on netflix that it would be a whole different dynamic yeah first of all it's murder she, she wrote. wrote yeah <laughs> very important that that comma is always emphasized whenever you mention the show and yes i am saying that shows with through lines are better generally than shows that don't have through lines and and you know is just that weekly experience because the way that we have interacted with tv completely changed i would say and the second much quicker point the song Mulder and scully by catatonia absolutely slaps and it is a 90s indie rock classic so there you go i i can't can't argue with that the burden of success as well isn't it whereas like x-files was this big monster hit so it had to be kind of like broad and have this mainstream mm. appeal as opposed to fringe which very much i think started that way where they wanted it to be this big monster hit it kind of wasn't and then settled into its its wonderful role as cult hit that goes all weird and wacky uh, reminds me of agents of shield that way where the first season of agents of shield is yeah very big very broad very this is mainstream entertainment and then when people stopped watching they're like ah we can just get weird now good and then it got good <laughs> that's the thing when they lost their audience is when agents of shield actually got really interesting and fun but hey too late really isn't it but it's all on disney plus if you want to watch it it's a great show i agree still I the best marvel tv yet. show oh really yeah. that's a controversial are we including netflix shows in that or are we just saying well most like, of the netflix the people... ones are bad other than daredevil so yeah. daredevil first season man that is a good show I wouldn't put. I love Agents of Shield. I do. Don't get me wrong. I love me some Clark Gregg. Okay, the guy rules. But that Daredevil first season is fucking awesome. Vincent D'Onofrio in that is 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 acting at a level that he doesn't even need to be putting that much effort into <laughs> a show. Like you kind of like Vincent, calm down, man. This doesn't need to be this good. Like that the episode of the origin of like him as a kid when he's seeing his dad beat up his mom and stuff like that and gets revenge it's like so fucking dark and twisted and it's just it's, it's class and then you got like david tennant as 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 creepy like jessica in jessica jones as the purple man you know uh and like luke cage the first half of the first season of luke cage 
when you've got Mahashala Ali in it is fucking great too. Um, uh, you know, you WandaVision and, and Falcon and the Winter Soldier people, I'm sure they've got their opinions about those. But yeah, I, I just... I, I, I actually, I reeled off uh, the last three episodes of, of Falcon and, and Winter Soldier because yeah. I, I kind of, after the fir- third episode... I just I couldn't be bothered to watch the next one. Like I just at that point, my brain was like, ah, you know, I'm done with this. Um, but I sat down on Sunday and just kind of powered through those last three episodes, and it's fine. Um, I, I don't think it's it's terrible, but I do think that it it's, it I, it runs into the issue where it's trying to thread so many stories into one singular idea and it doesn't quite execute any single one of them like very well um i guess of all of them i I think that um the falcon captain america anthony mackie like his whole arc i think is done okay though i feel it's also quite rushed and i feel like they could have just done the fucking six episodes about him specifically um but yeah, I, I feel like there's a bunch of kind of like lost opportunities in there that hopefully will just mean that whatever comes next will pay off better. Um, but I do feel it, it. I don't know. It's not. I don't think it's something that I'm ever going to come back to watch. You know, it, it's not one of those types of shows or or part of the MCU where I just you know like oh I'll go and stick on Iron Man because you know it's a fun two two and a half hour romp. I, no, no part of Falcon and Winter Soldier felt like that to me. I hated that yeah. show. <laughs> <laughs> wow. There we go. Here's our scrubs. <laughs> it's actually for the very reason you mentioned. It's like, it's a show that has so many good ideas, like, like a ton of them. And then just does none of them. Well, it's like, yeah, you should have picked this or this, not seven different things and done all of them badly. And it, it frustrates me to no end. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I, I, still I, I really wish, it. I really wish they'd done like, the trailer gave you the impression there was going to be the whole the whole show was going to be this dynamic between Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and you ended up with uh, I don't know about a collective twenty twenty five minutes of the six episodes where they actually went with that. Um, and yeah, I just, you yeah, were looking just, for that Mel Gibson, Danny Glover kind of. I'm not saying I was looking for Lethal Weapon, <laughs> but it, the show did give you the impression there was going to be. A whole bunch more of that. No, um, you were waiting for Joe Pesci to turn up in every episode. God, That's you why imagine? you hated it so much. Okay, my okay. God, <laughs> they're fucking you with a Winter Soldier. Okay, <laughs> fucking you with a Winter Soldier. That that would have been a ten out of ten show. <laughs> yes, it would. Rebooking um, the Winter I, Soldier. I very 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 quickly uh, mentioned I saw Love and Monsters, which was released last week, and that is a perfectly serviceable six seven out of ten film. An easy two hours. Um, Dylan O'Brien, kind of not saying he's anywhere in the league of what you just mentioned there with uh, Daredevil, but giving the kind of performance that probably didn't need to be in that film. And mm-hmm. I didn't know, I've never seen the Maze Runner films, but just the fact that he was in the Maze Runner films kind of didn't really think that there was there was much there to kind of look into. But he yeah. actually gives a really solid performance. He has a whiff uh, of the poor man's Pattinson about him, doesn't he? A it? little bit. Well, th- that entire fucking Maze Runner. Was it Maze Runner and there was another one? The Maze Runner Scorch Trials, well, I think. I, saw, I, I paid money to see both of them, I'll have you know. <laughs> but, but there was also another series, because I think they came off of the back of... Uh, um, he was in Teen Wolf as well. <sighs> No, because there, there was a couple of like tri- series of films that came off the back of the um, the uh, Bumblebee, Royale, not 
the Casino Royale, not oh. Casino Royale, <laughs> fucking yeah, Battle Transformers. Royale. Transformers. Oh, Hunger no, Games. No, the Battle Royale, Hunger Games. That's it. That's what I was thinking. Of. I don't think he's in Hunger Games. No, he's not. But what I'm saying is there are a bunch of films that came after, like Maze Runner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That were doing that, and and I guess you could maybe include Twilight as well. Motherfucker, what was the one with the moving cities that I watched that I've completely forgotten Mortal the name Engines. of? That's it, Mortal also, Engines. Also, surprisingly enjoyable. I yeah. really liked it. I couldn't remember the name of it, but when I was in the cinema, I was like, you know what? I'm actually having fun here. That's the uh, one that everyone's yeah. like, wait, that's directed by Peter Jackson. It's like, no, he produced it, but his name is front and center of all the advertising. Yeah. I think I watched the entire trailer for that, and that was about as far as I got. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for all of these things, because like, I, I've okay. also watched Love and Monsters, which I, I thoroughly agree. It's a perfectly charming, enjoyable, relatively forgettable film with a good central Yeah, performance. and I... And I think some of the monster designs are pretty well done, and it's and the dog is very good. Yeah. And um, what's your man from fucking Guardians of the Galaxy? I am terrible with names. Um, Which one? Uh, Michael Rooker. Guy. Yeah, Rooker. Uh, he he's in it, and he kind of gives off a sort of Woody Harrelson from probably, Zombieland. Absolutely, Woody Harrelson from Zombieland <laughs> kind of performance. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but he's in the film for about half the amount of time. But um, but yeah, it's you know, Love of Monsters was fun. What I am here to talk about though is I don't think I've ever spoken about Cowboy Bebop on this show before. Um, no. Which may come as a surprise because I I've I think I've made it well known that I very much like Cowboy Bebop. Um, we're, we're watching it at the moment because uh, my girlfriend's never watched it. She she started watching it a while ago because she knew that it was a thing that I liked. And you do this when you're in relationships, you know, you kind of dip into things that your partner likes to try and kind of get a closer connection to them. Um, she maybe has listened to like half of a Mastodon song, but that's as close as she's going to get to kind of my <laughs> musical <one>? tastes. Uh, <laughs> Blood and Thunder, obviously. I mean, it's a riff, isn't it? It is. Um, but she, she tried watching Cowboy Bebop. She didn't get it first time around, but we're watching it again now. And I don't know if it's just because we have a big, big screen TV and it just it just looks nice on a big TV and we have the, the Blu-ray copy, the Blu-ray DVDs for it. Um, I've watched that this show... I don't know, 10, 11 times over the years. I come back to it every sort of year or two. And I always pick like new things out of it. And I remember the last time that I watched it, I was actually kind of down on the show because I realized that the script or at least the the kind of Western translation or localization, it does a lot of exposition where it doesn't need to do, where it kind of like Jet Black for some reason starts talking about this thing that happened 15 years ago that isn't relevant to what's happening at this moment, but it's giving kind of context in a way, but it's just not a way that two people would talk at that moment in time. Um, and it's even more interesting because I'm doing a, a narrative design course um, and kind of one of the key things it talks about is that video games are terrible for doing dialogue because it they so run into like doing exposition um, where it's not necessary and it just people just don't talk like that and video games is really guilty for it. But I, I'm not noticing it as much this time, and I don't know why. And it could just again be because just because I'm watching it on a big TV, and like Cowboy Bebop came just before the I wouldn't say revolution, but like the anime anime industry sort of changed in the early 21st century, where everything became digitized. Um, and you can tell there's a kind of really big difference. Like if you look at, and obviously this will happen with time, but if you look at like Akira. And you look at um, 
even you know something that I like like One Punch Man. There's obviously yeah. there's a there's a big difference between the hand drawn style and the, the, the digitized style. And Cowboy Bebop came just before that, but it's so like some of the the shots like the the best times to watch that that show is like in some of the kind of calmer sections, like when the Bebop ship is just in the water and they're in a kind of port. And there's so much detail around, and it's just, it's just so, just it's just a feast for the eyes. There's so much going on, um, but then sometimes, like when they're in space, they'll mix in some kind of digitized um, elements. Like there's uh, kind of a giant floating casino in space. I guess a little bit like the Golden Saucer in Final Fantasy VII, but even fucking bigger and grander, and, and in space. Um, and it's just a show that is like the personification of cool and it sounds like dorkish from me because i'm not cool but it really is and like from i was gonna ask wasn't it true that you started smoking i swear you started smoking lucky strike at some point was that to be like spike spiegel this would probably be true yes yeah um i I remember thinking like that seems like really out of character and then I saw Cowboy Bebop like a, a few years later, and I, I, I sort of made that vague connection in my head, but I've never actually asked you if that was the reason. No, it, it probably is. I don't remember exactly, but it sounds like saying that fucking seventeen-year-old me would do. Um, and what I love about the show more than anything else is that it is an anime, but it's not an anime um, because I actually really don't like a lot of anime, and I don't like a lot of tropes that you get with anime. And it's, and I think it's part of the reason why Cowboy Bebop like was so successful. Um, being translated to the West because it just ditches all of those tropes um, like all of the kind of like wacky animations the extorted features and, and kind of uh, characteristics that, that uh, characters have it just it remo- removes all of that you get a little bit of that with the character Edward but that kind of it works with everything else um, and also just that theme song and the whole soundtrack like it's it's still to this day one of the best soundtracks for anything i've ever heard in my life and it's fusion of jazz and rock and metal and like little bits of hip-hop and samba it, it throws everything in there and none of it sounds forced and it all sounds like it's meant to be there working in conjunction with what's happening on the screen um it's just it's unbelievable uh, honestly it's unbelievable how good sh- that show is and I'm not even scared about the fact that there's a live-action series coming out this year because if they were going to do something with that show, I would rather they do something that I can completely separate from it because, like, some people will say that, hey, we'd love a second season of Cowboy Bebop. And it's one of those things that it really doesn't. Like, the big shame of that show is there is this kind of just whole universe that is is unexplored and there are so many things they could do with it and... I guess you could do like a Star Wars thing where you just go off with different characters and explore different parts of that that lore, but without the main characters. That's the only way I could see it doing that. But I think it's been too long now. Um, I look at Star Wars as an example when it you know it was ten, fifteen years and they still brought it back and whatever. Um, but I'm fine with them doing the live action thing because I can kind of separate it. And if it's terrible, then whatever. It it doesn't ruin the source material but if it's good and it works then hey maybe we get like a u.s office and it goes off and it does its own thing and maybe that could work i i have bated breath because like john cho is i'm not saying he's a terrible choice of spike spiegel but i don't think he has the voice that steve blum the american voice actor that has but maybe he'll work i have no idea i it's just like when i think john cho i kind of think harold and kumar and (laughs) 
I need to kind of you know separate that. Um, I imagine he's done more serious stuff since. Yeah, he so, was um, searching was really good, um, which I guess it's even more kind of prevalent thinking about it now because it's basically a, a horror film that's essentially set on Zoom or a Zoom equivalent. Uh, surprised, yeah. I'm surprised we haven't seen more films, films like though. that in the last few I feel like there's been a bunch of those films. Though. Yeah, there was a couple of social media films. What, what were they called? That uh, There was two of them, I know, because I, I did go to see one of them that was basically, oh, uh, a horror film on that. But the, the John Cho one was much better because it, it was more a thriller than a horror, really. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, there wasn't anything like, you know, particularly overtly supernatural about it. It was just scary. Um, you know, because people are horrible, kind of thing. Yeah, so I, I would recommend that though. Yeah, I am surprised we that. haven't gotten like people, more people being like, let's let's do a Zoom film. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised it, it might have happened. I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, my partner watched one in the last couple of months that literally was that, but um, I think it had a budget of about eleven quid, which is why you've never heard of it. So yeah. He was also. Like, I literally think the film actually was filmed on Zoom. He was also Sulu. He was good as Sulu. He was good as Sulu. Yes, yes, yeah. he was. Um, I don't know. I'm just. I am. I have a morbid curiosity about what that. And you know, there will be people that even before it comes out has said that oh, it butchers the source material. I, as invested as I am with Cowboy Bebop, I can separate myself from just look at it as its own thing, and see if it stands on its own, and also realize that it doesn't. You know discredit what the original is so i'm not kind of worried about that um but i just i just don't know what that looks like sounds like feels like it's yeah um i'm very very curious about that uh and the other thing i'm still watching adventure time which i spoke about a while ago um i'm up to like season six about halfway through season six and that show oscillates so wildly between its core central plot which just fucking goes from like zero to 90 in no time whatsoever um to just random episodes that are so like like so non uh crucial to the plot and it's just you know there's an episode about fucking um i don't know finn like goes within himself and there's this whole like civilization within his own body um but then, you know, you get the whole stuff with Jake and his dad and the, the Lich and fucking the Lich turns into Sweet Pea. And I just... And the thing about this show, every single time, and it's become really even more apparent, like, it gets to a point where it's like, okay, this is a really weird place for them to end the episode, but I know they're going to end the episode right here. And then they end the episode right there. And they do it so many times where the, show, the, the episode ends either, like, midway through the climax or at the end of the climax, but a lot of time you'd have the climax and then you'd have the kind of thing that happens afterwards to kind of tie everything up. Doesn't even do that. It's just like, boom, climax, end, show, there, 10 minutes done. And so many times I'm just like, what What the fuck just happened there? Why? Why, why did the episode end there? I don't understand this. Um, but Adventure Time continues to be something that I went from not caring about at all to being like really like invested and connected to this show. And even on on some like emotional levels, which I really wasn't prepared for, but it hits you in the feels on a number of occasions. It does. It 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 does. It hits you in the feels a lot. It normalizes a lot of um, LGBT stuff in there as well, which yeah. I think is really cool. And it just generally, it, it generally teaches kids that 
about complexity of emotion without hammering it home that that's what it's doing. I think it's such a cleverly written show and the tone is always pretty perfect. Yeah, there are wacky lemon grabs and that who are running around and like dividing into... A lemon grab. Yeah. Lemon grab. Fucking hell. Oh, I love lemon grab so much. Yeah. Even though Justin Roiland pr- probably should not do that voice ever again because it will no. kill him. But I, I do love the way that like Finn reacts because he does react like a human in a lot of like times when something completely bonkers just just happened and he's like hmm, okay yeah cool okay whatever like he's so just kind of chill about everything even though everything around him is like exploding or has foreheads or whatever the case may be um well, well yeah when one of your one of your friends is the lumpy space princess then nothing that's seems true weird, right? that's true um and i love shelby um mm-hmm. yeah shelby is a one with attitude and just yeah just like <laughs> I love that they can make characters out of just like simple things like worms or these simple shapes and I don't know. Bimo, he's an old Game Boy. Oh, Bimo, yeah. But then also, I I think actually where the penny dropped that this series either, I don't know whether it was intended that they were going to add like layers of depth and complexity or they just like stumbled across it, whatever the case may be. But the whole thing where they explore, like, oh, the Ice King isn't just this crazy old guy. He is Simon, and he was around, like, a thousand years ago, and he has this whole kind of complicated arc. And it's like, oh, wow, this isn't just, like, some crazy-ass kid show. This is actually attempting to, like, explore and have depth. And Arguably better than what they did with the Night King in Game of Thrones. (laughs) I really feel like this show is going to, like, hit me in the feels at some point later on. And I'm kind of bracing for it, but I know I'm not going to be ready for it when it happens. Yeah, it will do do that from time to time. You find yourself, like, after a couple of wacky episodes, getting, like, really emotionally invested in in a storyline or something about, you know... The best episodes in that are the ones that just portray the relationships between the characters, I think are the ones that really stand out, like, in my head and, and their friendships or whatever. Like, and the characters seem to have a genuine affection for each other as well. Like, yeah, again, you get your lemon grabs. <laughs> but, like, you you have characters that actually care and listen and talk. And even if they have, like, a disagreements or falling out or someone steals Marceline's fries and something bad happens, then they always seem to manage to get back together. Like, there's a lot of cynical, shitty animated shows and it's like yeah it's funny like i mean i love rick and morty but a lot of the characters in rick and morty seem to have a genuine contempt for each other um and you can extend that to solar opposites as well exactly right um and it's funny to do that but it is kind of a bummer whereas adventure time it isn't like that like they are they are caring and they uh, of each other and i think that that's what makes me feel warm about watching that show that's the good feels part that you're mentioning and the happiness it's like yeah people might have disagreements and wacky shit might happen but at the end of the day they're all they all stay pals and i quite like that that's a good show Mm. for that reason so yeah that's me um i guess with that we can move over to something else that i imagine is going to be giving us three all the happy feels uh for a little while i haven't had a chance to play pokemon snap yet what, <laughs> what is the actual the official title is it new pokemon snap new pokemon new. snap is what, what a actually. terrible name <laughs> yeah. yeah well it's just nintendo they never exactly fucking do anything right so um, it's it's, it's, you know, it's hey. clearly it's not a sequel to pokemon snap it's a sequel to the new nintendo 3ds <laughs> that's let's <laughs> add like online capabilities for super mario party two years after it comes out they should have called it new pokemon snap but like nu oh of course like new metal from back in the day like i think that would be awesome 
So I haven't had a chance to play it yet. I downloaded it this morning. I will probably get to it um, on Sunday and play a whole bunch of that. But I know, Garrett, I know you've been playing it. I've seen some of your... Um, My Bidoofs. ...tastefully taken pictures. My wonderful Bidoofs. Bidoofs. <laughs> Our sends of Bidoofs. Is this a thing that... You know that, that, that has just naturally occurred, or is it something you always knew you were into? Well, you see, I was taking my first picture of Badoof, as you do, because he's in the first level, and I was like, "Oh, I gotta get Badoof." But then the Badoof turned around, so I took a picture of his butt, and I took a perfectly good Badoof picture later. But when Professor Mi- uh, Mirror was like, "Which of these Badoof pictures would you like to submit?" It's like, "Oh, it's obviously the butt picture, right?" Which I also posted. Yeah. There's this like internal social media thing in the game where you can post your own photos to, and people give them like medals. And of course, I posted my Badoof butt to that too. <laughs> yeah, you made the right choice, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I've never actually played the first Pokemon Snap. I have like the cartridge on N64, but I've never actually played it. So this is my first wow. Pokemon Snapping. Really? I mean, you I... could probably like if I gave you a weekend, you could probably clear that first Pokemon Snap out. Yeah, I, 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 I even bought it on Wii U Virtual Console and still didn't play it. So. <laughs> I would be curious to go back and play that because I can't imagine it's aged not in terms of like, you know, I imagine the the, the charm and the character of that game is still there but I'd have to say functionally it probably is a bit clunky. It's it's exceptionally short as well, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's about 10 hours. It's like six levels, isn't it? Uh, I think there's seven levels. Obviously you unlock, as you do in this game, Garrett, the different things Mm -hmm. like the, the apples and the are there pestables in uh, in Pokemon Snap and the, the poker flute and stuff and then they allow you to kind of get different pictures and you level up your gear or whatever to the point where you have like this final showdown with Mew and take loads of good Mew photos and try and get the, the, the perfect picture of Mew basically that's that's the whole game which it also seems to be the whole game for this one too <laughs> it does yeah but I think they, they've kind of They've been passing out the content a bit more sparsely, like having a day and night mode on the levels for a start. I was like, oh, there you go. This is what's been in development for the uh, two decades worth of time that we've been waiting since the last Pokemon Snap day and night. But yeah, how are you finding it so far? I'm enjoying it. It's it's exactly what it says on the tin. You go through the... It's an on-rail shooter where you try and not murder Pokemon, just take pictures of them. And it's just an utter delight. Like, what more do you want than just rolling through these very pretty-looking places? Like, this is maybe the best-looking Pokemon game ever? Yeah, it is gorgeous, isn't it? Like, within... 10 seconds I had a rictus grin on my face from how amazing it looked and you're taking pictures of your tangrowths and your 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 buffalants and it's oh. just a delight I, I'm because I've, I've finished well not finished I, I played through all of the first level variants the night day and um, the, the illumination thing they do with the meganium afterward I oh, yeah uh, is it the same deal is it on rails yeah yeah, it's oh, yeah, okay. on rails, yeah. They, they okay. do have alternate paths, I think. I haven't gotten to them yet, but I think the levels do have alternate paths, and they do have day-night modes. So there is there is some interactivity and variety in there, so it's not the same level every single time. And also, as you level up in the game, you unlock, like, different... You unlock, obviously, the different things that you can use, like the aforementioned, the flute, and stuff like that. But also, it changes the events that happen in the level as you level up. So as you get more points on a certain level and go back to it, you'll get different events occurring. So, you know, the first one, the same events occur basically every single time you go through it. Whereas you noticed, uh, Garrett, like the first time you went through the first level of this one, there were no Bufalons. 
there was no glorious Taurus with an afro. And yet, once you get to the level two and you go back through the level, that all the Buffalons have appeared, and you can take as many pictures of that particularly great Pokemon as you wanted to. Yeah, and Score Bunny and shows same- up. Sorry, our score bunny, yeah, and the night. Oh, score bunny's awesome. I love score bunny so much. Running around, talking. You know, I, I've been con- like constantly trying to see if you can like throw stuff at. Because you could throw stuff in the other game, like you could throw, you could knock a Charmeleon into a volcano <laughs> to evolve it into a Charizard, right? So I was trying to. Uh, <laughs> the last playthrough I did before we started this recording, I was just trying to absolutely twat stuff. <laughs> 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 with, with, with apples and i felt really bad at the end of the level because <laughs> i was like this is just not the way i should be playing this game and i think there was like one or two good photos i got from twatting something just where it like it was running away and then it stopped and got a good shot of it but yeah um i recommend not twatting stuff uh, as, as a method to, to snap photos well, so in the original pokemon snap there was like there was the apple and there was uh the like a special type of yeah, pestable. Yeah, so I'd have to imagine there there are some more things to work with this time yeah. round. You've got an apple. There's like a. It's not a pestable this time though. It's like an illuminated thing, um, because there's like these flowers that make Pokemon glow. There's a storyline. I really don't care. It's the only <laughs> knock I have against the game, Garrett. So far, is that I keep going back to the professor and his like ridiculously kawaii anime girl assistant, and they're saying stuff. I don't care. <laughs> Isn't this the issue with like every Pokemon game of the last twenty odd years? I think though? this one is worse though, because it's like the, the yeah. mystery of this old photographer and his book. What could all of this okay. possibly mean? It's like just let me take pictures all of right. the Pikachu Great. and leave me alone. One thing as well that I think is really hilarious is like you start the game and they're like, "Yeah, we're this big research facility and we research Pokemon here on this island of Lenor and all that stuff," and I'm like. Why would you pick a guy that's never used a camera before to come to your island? Like, wouldn't you want to go and find fucking Annie Leibowitz or some shit to come to the island with all the gear and just smash it and take amazing fun? Like, I want a big glowy Meganian that Annie Leibowitz has shot. Like, why me? Why have they chosen me? A guy who they've just had to explain merely seconds before I'm thrown into the level, snapping away Murkrows and shit. How Clearly they've seen you thrown an apple in a way that... I mean, inspires them. I'm gonna not gonna lie to you, Mark. I was twatting these Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> they were going down, son. And I felt so guilty after I did my twat run. Is, on it, is it the Snap. same sort of thing though? Because if I remember, uh, it's been fucking ages since I played Snap. But if you like smacked a Pokemon in the right way, it would evolve or it gets yeah. to punch up with. And yeah, That's it's the same I, sort of thing. Yeah, deal. like you could get two Magmars that would have a beef with each other or the, the Charmeleon, like I said before, knocking into evolve it and stuff. There was a Magikarp, um, Garrett, in the first level, right? Mm-hmm. So I want to say I spent like every possible angle I could for a good 30 seconds of the run trying to twat this Magikarp <laughs> <laughs> into the water to see if it would go insane and evolve into a Gyarados and come and try and like bite my face off. But it just, it just didn't happen. It now. jumps. What more do you want? If you throw something at it, it jumps. <laughs> it does the jump. It does the splash. But I, I wanted it to get pissed and evolve. You know? Can I can I say this is my reminder from like watching a whole bunch of the original series of Pokemon is I forgot how many times Pokemon evolve not because they level up but just because they get twatted or kicked or punched or anything in any way that just kind of pisses them off and then they evolve that way. Yeah, I forgot the, how many times that happens. It's the twat theory. If you twat a Pokemon, <laughs> it will evolve. 
it's a really dangerous lesson to be teaching kids. It's like, kids, please do not go and twat your cat or your dog because they will not evolve into a more superior form of that. You're not going to get a Persian. Uh, anyway. This is why Digimon, is, this Digimon when, when Digimon are forced to evolve outside their natural environment, they become virus versions of the Digimon. So like, they have the deep lore teaching children important lessons not to abuse animals. Does there like an advert for McAfee that pops up halfway through a Digimon episode? If you need to clear these off, you don't just want a Skull this. Greymon, do you? No, you do not, my friend. Here, download, download McAfee. Uh, get rid of all your Digimon digital monsters created by me, Dave the Cockney. Like that's what you would you would expect in the ad breaks. But Pokemon Snap's good, Mark. Is what I'm trying to tell you. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, any kind of like impression of how many levels there are, like how much bigger it I've is, got, or is it all just locked off at the moment? I've got two uh, unlocks so far. Um, I think there's a lot more, to be honest. I've heard that there's like 200 Pokemon you can snap in this. I want to say there was around 70 in the original one, somewhere around, right around there. So I'm guessing if there's like six or seven levels in the original one uh, with a day-night thing, maybe you get like 10. Um, I've heard there's loads of really hit, cool hidden secrets. Like I've heard like, obviously we got Mew in the first game and the um, Articuno Zapdos Moltres as the legendaries, but I've heard there's actually more legendaries in this game. Um, and you have to do all sorts of cool stuff to try and like solve the mystery of where they are in the level and you get like you get like little hints that come in the form of like messages from the professor to say hey maybe you want to investigate this like um did you do the amolga thing garrett where it was like there was all the charred remains of fruit and you threw the apple down and the amolga kind of flew out of the tree and then zapped the apple you threw down to start eating it no i just threw the apple at the amolga <laughs> I was like, you, in the tree over there. (laughs) (laughs) So you've been twatting stuff as well. Yeah, because if you throw it at the hoot hoot who's that's standing on the sign, it gets all dizzy and you can take a great photo of it. You can, he gets knocked out. I remember doing that with um, the Meowth in the very first beach level of the original Pokemon Snap, actually. Maybe they should have just called it Pokemon Twat. (laughs) Just because of the amount of stuff that you're just knocking out to get the photos. All all I ask for in this game is that somewhere in it is a Whale Lord who is so big that it is literally impossible to take a picture of, like, the entire thing in frame. And and, uh, the the professor is like, oh, you didn't get the Pokemon in the frame every time. (laughs) You just got like an eye and they're like well that could be anything yeah i've got to say this professor is way more supportive professor mirror and and again his his lovely anime assistant are like really nice whereas in the original game if you didn't get a photo right professor oak was a right dickhead he'd be like oh well, that's well he's, not he's good. a trainer he's not a photographer he doesn't know what he's on about oh that's not too good look at that you fucking you're in the center of it you know like you've absolutely worked your bollocks off to get a picture of a polywag, and all of a sudden Oak is giving you the oh that ain't good enough. I wouldn't even show that to a cat. Like what? This is outrageous. Why is he being so mean? Like he made me work for it, you know. Like I had to really put it in. There's like a sort of a sub dom element between Oak and the photographer Todd Snap <laughs> in the first game, where he's like, "Go out there and take the fucking photos, you little." And then yeah, that's what happens with Todd. But uh, yeah, this is it, this one's a more supportive, nicer environment. I would say more kid friendly than that original. Uh, SNM version of Pokemon Snap that was out there that nobody wants to be playing these days. I hope this game goes into the deep trauma that Todd suffered. <laughs> Professor, Professor Oak should show up and Todd should be like, not again! Not again! <laughs> Why is this picture of an Abra not good enough for you, Oak? 
It's so what what's um what's it doing in terms of like ranking your photos? Like how what's it kind of qualifying it on? Because like f- I feel like it was pretty kind of basic in the original snap. Yeah. So I'm wondering if they advanced it. In yeah, any there's ways. like two like systems f- where there's like there's the star rating your photo gets, which I think is based on like the rarity of the scene. And then your photo is graded on, like, uh, four different things. There's other Pokemon in the frame. There's, I think, how much the Pokemon is centered. There's how close the Pokemon is. There, Yeah, so it gives you, like, four different things. And then it gives you a score. Yeah. In your photo decks as well, you want they want you to get four different... Fo- like, they want you to get a one-star photo, a two-star photo, a three-star photo, and a four-star photo. I've only got a couple of four-star photos so far... One of them was a Caterpie that just started, like, string shotting everywhere. Which... I just missed... I was so upset. I saw the end of the string shot. I was like, oh, get that! <laughs> yeah. Just got a picture I, of a I, Caterpie I, then. No one wants I that. I nailed it. Uh, and it was literally after I twatted it with an apple. <laughs> 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 I've got problems. <laughs> oh, God damn. I'm glad you don't have pets. I'll say that much. Um... Was the does does the game like have any? Because this is always a fascinating thing when it comes to Nintendo and game design. Like, does it have any kind of online f- functionality or any kind of social interaction with other players? Does it try and kind of brute force any of that? Yeah, or? it has its own little internal social media thing where you take your oh wow. you take your photos, you upload them, you give them a little caption, and like the, there's it's literally like a Pokemon Snap Twitter <laughs> inside the game. Oh, that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, I, I'm guessing it's very basic in terms of like feedback you can provide. It's, yeah, you know, I think it's literally you just give it like a, a, an equivalent of a like. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. wasn't that the case with Mario Maker? Like you could like say something was cool, but they they wouldn't allow you to actually put text. No, anything. like no, you, you could add text to Mario Maker. You could even though I had like could drawings you? and stuff. Yeah, but, and you could basically spell horrible words out with the level that you created. <laughs> no, well. but I mean in terms of like reviewing like other levels. Yeah, and stuff. It, like the, there's a whole comment system that the, was it was uh, through Meverse in the original that they kept in the sequel. Ah, oh. there's like a whole huh. thing of um, of of Meverse from the Wii that disappeared, wasn't there? Of people that used to do drawings. Yeah, and it's stuff weird to that. see it like because Splatoon two and Mario Maker two both still have it, but obviously Meverse yeah. is dead. But they just kept all the functionality because it was like an important part of both of those games. So it's weird to see Meverse technically still live. I, I literally I opened up Splatoon two um, the other week for the first time in God knows how long, and I went into like the main lobby where all the other um, inklings are, and like the first kind of card that I saw uh, the speech bubble was someone kind of coming out as as being like a homosexual. I was just like, okay, this is the place where you want to do it. That's like, le- legit. That's, that's always the like the, the the Splatoon community is like the most progressive video game community. In I the know world. it's amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Well, do you, but like, if you wanted to spread that message to your friends and family, though, do you not think that they all need to be in Splatoon too to like, have the knowledge? Well, of maybe that? like kind of. Tr- I, I don't want to speak for obviously anyone um, going de- dealing with this, but I, I, maybe it's just like kind of treading the water to see how other people, like, how how the other inklings will react first, and then take it from there. And probably in, in a space and community that will accept them for it, which is you would think so as well. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Pokemon Snap. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to swatting some Pokemon, I guess, over the weekend. Yeah, with the apples. Yep. Uh, Garrett, you have a thing here. It doesn't happen very often where a game shows up on our our production list that I have no idea what it is, but I don't know what Fantasian is, so what the hell is Fantasian? Uh, Fantasian is an Apple Arcade exclusive game. 
That will be why then, because I don't have any way to play anything from Apple Arcade, and there's usually a bunch of stuff in there I want to play. Which is from Mistwalker, the which is the studio founded by Hironobu Sakaguchi, the creator of Final Fantasy. Uh, so they released this this RPG. God, it was back in April at this stage. It's still April. Oh God, it's still April. <laughs> at the start of April. Um, so they released the, this RPG that has this this really fascinating visual style, where they take like the models, uh, the the video game rendered models, and put them in these dioramas. So every single environment you're in in that game is a physical, tangible diorama that they photographed and used as like the the backgrounds and environments of the game. So it's basically like a HD equivalent of the the the, the, the like uh, pre-rendered backgrounds you got in like Final Fantasy Seven. But oh, wow. taking those, making them tangible, real, physical, and making it obviously high definition. And it's such a, like I thought it wouldn't really work. I thought it's like, oh, like the the you know the character models would would really jar against the, those dioramas. And it actually works shockingly well. And it's 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 for uh, last time I was on to talk about it. Well, I wasn't on to talk about Bravely Default Two. I inflicted Bravely Default Two upon you. But uh, clearly, JRPGs are my niche on this show now. Because I played it. I played Bravely Default Two. I, I, I haven't finished it, but I, I was enjoying it. Oh, I'm I'm thinking I'm like 25 hours in now. Still working my way through it. Good game. Thumbs up. But yeah, for for every bit that that's a spiritual throwback to like Final. Fantasy V or the Super Nintendo era Final Fantasies. Uh, Fantasian is a throwback to the PS1 era Final Fantasies. Like this could, th- if this released after Final Fantasy IX as Final Fantasy X, nobody would blink an eye. It's like, it's it's very much a spiritual successor to those three games on the PS1. And it has a Nobumatsu soundtrack, which two thumbs up. Okay. It's incredible. Okay. Um, Are you playing is- with with controller support or is it touchscreen? It's touchscreen. So uh, it has no on-screen controller, thank the Lord. Uh, it, so thank you basically Lord. just tap where you want to go. and then it's, it's, Okay, because I didn't uh, iOS, they added like uh, PS5 and, and Xbox uh, controller support. I feel like they are or have. I'm pretty sure I saw that report. Yeah, but like, it, it, it is like made for the platform. So like the battle system is a turn-based RPG, but like you like curve your attacks. The, the whole gimmick of the game is that you can actually defer... Well, there's many gimmicks in the game. The whole diorama thing is probably the gimmick of the game. But one of the other gimmicks of the game is that you can defer, like, actual battles. You can, like, turn off random battles. And, like, you don't actually not fight them. They just build up. So, like, if you were to fight three enemies, they'd go into what they call the dimension. I think it's a dimension and dungeon mixed together. It's not a word. <laughs> but And when it gets... As much as the word is like revenge, or Fantasian. Fantasian, yes, which is not a sequel to the Disney musical film, which I also don't like. But uh, so yeah, so the, the whole thing is you can pile up all those battles and fight them all at once at the end if you want, so you can just run through an environment. But when you get to the battles, the the, the whole idea of the combat system is like uh, certain character attacks have like an area of effect, either straight lines you can curve them in like a circle, so you can that they incorporate the touch controls like that, so you actually like move your finger to curve the magic spell so it hits more enemies so it's it is actually they didn't just slap a a, a turn-based rpg onto apple arcade and call it a day but yeah it's a it's a really cool game i'm I'm like 10 hours in very much enjoying it as if you have any nostalgia at all for final fantasy 7 8 or 9 this this is right up your street and by all accounts it might be uh, sakaguchi's last game he's been saying he's not director he's producer i think story and concept by him for this one but apparently this might be his last game so play it apparently mm. it might be umatsu's last soundtrack as well mm. god damn 
I, I've been toying with the idea of getting um, like an iPad for a while because I'm, you know, I'm in a position now where I can buy an iPad and I'm not crippled financially for six months. Um, because like I, I have a, a work MacBook, but it's it's fucking shoddy as hell. Like I, I, I tried using Apple Arcade for about two weeks, but everything on there just made the MacBook sound like it was about to take off any second. Um, so I've been toying with getting an, an iPad and and like. Everything you've said, even though like JRPGs are not my go-to, the fact that it has like the weight behind it of everything you said there about um, it, ha- you know, because I, I like FF Seven. I've spoken at length about my issues with FF Eight, and I liked the bits of FF Nine that I played. And I, I, I think I'm not not saying I'm willing to spend like twelve hundred quid on an iPad just to play this, but. Um, if I was to buy uh, an iPad, I would probably get this straight away. Yeah, I just started downloading it right now. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the, I didn't have Apple Arcade or anything. I, I got Apple. Actually, I have the thirty-day trial because Apple are like, "Hey, use our thing." Which I tried to play. That I've now failed. I'm realizing if this was released on April second, and I assume I got this close to release, my attempt to play it within the thirty-day trial has failed. So Apple will get money out of me. God damn you, Apple! Um, that's, well, that that's sounded trick. like I'm in the pocket of Big Tim Cook. <laughs> I do really think that 15 quid all in for Apple Music, Apple TV, and Apple Arcade is a pretty good deal. Like, because you were paying like £10 a month or whatever just for Apple Music in the same way that you'd be paying for Spotify, right? But it's just easier if you've got an iPhone to do it on Apple Music. And then there's there's some pretty good shows on, on Apple TV as well. And like the, all the arcade stuff that comes in, like me, you know, playing the other week, the the new new package repackaged version of mini metro and stuff that i can just go straight in and download like it kind of is worth it for 15 pound a month it's, it's a pretty decent offer i would say yeah i think the the big thing with apple arcade is just getting those exclusives that stand out because i i got it at the start and i was playing um the passenger which i think was a really underrated game from last year and um the puzzle was it grindstone i think it was that i i really liked but it doesn't have those kind of big standard features. But like at the same time, you're talking about this kind of what I would presume is like this lengthy, fucking visually spectacular JRPG that is available as part of this service that I, I really haven't heard um, like making the rounds um, in like the, the kind of gaming sphere. And I don't know if that's just because that speaks about what the game is or speaks to just like where Apple Arcade is at this moment. It's probably more Apple Arcade, I think. I think like Apple Arcade, outside, yeah. outside of that first month where Apple Arcade came out and kind of had that like splashy month where everyone was talking about Grindstone and what the golf. And then it kind of just petered. And like this is part of, I think, its first major drop of new content since that first month. I think they released a couple more games alongside this and it didn't seem to leave a splash whatsoever. But it's a shame. It's a cool game. It is currently downloading onto my uh, onto my iPad right now. So and like my right. my only my uh, biggest downside of it is like I'm playing it on i uh, on an iPhone 11, and it's just like the screen's too small to do it justice. And I'd like, oh god, yeah, that's that's not. It's not, and I, I don't have an me. iPad, but I want to play the game, and it's like, God, put it on console so I can play it on a big screen, and it'll look very pretty. Yeah, I mean, it will um, eventually you, end up there. You would imagine. Right? You would hope so. You've got. You got one other thing, Garrett, and it's the uh, the other side other side of today's release coin, um, Returnal, which up until about two days ago I had no interest in, but everything I've seen today, review wise, gameplay wise, screenshot wise, 
I'm not saying I'm going to buy it right away because I think that the price point is just a little bit too steep for me, but, you know, I'm hoping that we see the price drop pretty quickly because, you know, those kind of big AAA titles tend to drop within the first two months or so. We'll see. Uh, Yeah, Returnal. Like, I can't imagine you've been able to spend a lot of time with it. Yeah, I played it for like an an hour, so I've died once and I'm in my second loop, and I think they kind of guide you to die very quickly in that first loop anyway or i'm bad at the game both are likely but i think they do guide you to die very quickly in that first round just so they like look it's the gimmick of the game uh it's it is like it's it's it feels really good like movement and combat and all all the things you want in this game to be good are good because like i'm one of those people who's like no 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 roguelite's bad but then i'm the same person who's like dead cells hades good so it's like Mm -hmm. this this very much feels in the dead cells and and hades vein of game and i think it'll hook me it has the world building people call it very pretty it looks fine (laughs) people are like it's a visual showcase for the playstation 5 it's like if this game released on ps4 you wouldn't say a word Is it just the fact that it's at sixty FPS and it just it just moves? Because everything I've seen in terms of like the yeah. movement, it looks very slick. But oh, I mean, I've seen some screenshots, and I, I think a lot of people are are confusing. You know, just this amazing looking game with just hey, this is stuff that looks like it could be an Alien or Prometheus, and that world looks visually spectacular. Yeah, I think I think it has much better art design than it does like visual fidelity. Like that, yeah. that's what people yeah. are clinging on okay. to. But uh, yeah, I play for an hour. As I said, it just it feels right. You know, when you pick up Hades and you play Hades, and it's like yes. And the same thing with Dead Cells, and you're just like yes. And the same thing here, where I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna put a lot, a lot of time into this. And I've I've read a bunch of stuff about like uh, the the kind of controller feedback is really in- incredible um, in ways that you know if you think like how Astrobot was Returnal was doing that sort of same thing as well. I think it's. I don't like the dual. I, I'm one of the people who actually doesn't really like the dual sense. I think it's too much. Yeah, wow. I, I'm like, whoa. I, I'm the person who's like, that's neat. Now I want to turn it off. <laughs> so, oh my god. But like, yeah, I mean, it does it. So if you like it, it's in there. Okay. But what about right. Astros? Are you saying you don't like the dual sense on Astros? Yeah, I'm like, this is perfect. Really? This is perfectly fine for a tech demo. But do I want my controller to be rumbling like this for like a seventy-hour game? Absolutely not. Whew. This is my PlayStation Five hot takes. The the graphics yeah. don't look good, and the the controller rumble <laughs> is bad. But yes, I, I had the same reaction to the price because I haven't bought bought a game on PS Five since I bought Hitman. What what is it? What is it in the in the art? Is it's it eighty quid, quid for us? Here, yeah, which is just like <sighs> oh, up. that's and because like the game invokes memories of Dead Cells and invokes memories of of Hades, both of which were what twenty bucks when they were released. Yeah, so, so it's like, yeah, it's and it, like this is a much bigger game than those in scope and ambition and visuals and all that stuff. But if you're getting a similar gameplay experience time, for off. three times the price. <laughs> Yeah, and and the fact as well, like, we've had two games drop today. It's ridiculous we've had, like, barely yes. anything drop since, like, the start of the year, and then on the same fucking day, uh, we get snapped. Yeah, we had, we had Hitman yeah, in it's, January, it's... you had Bowser's Fury, and Bravely Default 2, maybe, in, in February, and, like, March and April, ah, there's there's two whole months there that you could have put games in. It's like, nah, let's do Returnal and Snap on the same day, just to annoy people. And then freaking Resident Evil's out next week as well. It is yeah, out next and week, we've yeah. got we've got something else. Um, Ratchet and Clank is June. what June. There's something else out next week as well. Yeah. You're right, isn't there? I feel like there's 
Mm. There's too too much stuff. all coming yeah. at once. I, I'm probably going to get to Returnal, but I think I'm definitely going to wait till it drops a little bit. And obviously, I've got Snap to keep me going. And now I'm fucking obsessed with playing FIFA. So that's, you know, taking up time. Yes, but based on an um, hour with Returnal, I get the hype. Cool. Cool. Yeah, it, I'm, it, I'm, I'm digging it. It's also a terrible name. It is, but... Hey, look, we're running out of game titles, so we need to if, get creative. If it flops, right? they can just rename it Live, Die, Repeat. Huh, there you That's go. A Tom Cruise film joke. <laughs> yeah. Wait. <laughs> what? They had two titles in yeah. it, because it was Live, Die, Repeat. It was, it was, also... it was renamed Live, Die, I can't even remember what it was called in the first place. Tomorrow never dies. That's, that's exactly what it was called. No, uh, oh, what is that? That is going to annoy me. Hang on a second. Uh, think about tomorrow. The edge of tomorrow. Edge of tomorrow. I think is right. Yeah. It, it was edge of tomorrow. Yep. I'm Emily Blunt, and I'm badass. And she is badass. To be fair, she is. I want to say Paxton was in that movie as well. Jeremy Paxton? No, Bill Paxton. That would have been... Uh... What, Jeremy Pax man, as <laughs> yeah. in the BBC interviewer? Yes, yes, that's where I was going. So, Tom, you've died <laughs> again, and we're supposed to believe this? And it's just like everybody's... That was really... more Jeremy Clarkson. I don't know. I, I can't remember what Paxman sounds like. It's actually been years. Apparently like Jeremy Clarkson. I don't actually remember what he sounds like. Uh, he does University Challenge, doesn't he? I still? Seen... Yeah, I, I want to say I feel still. like he was doing that when I was like 15. Yeah, I mean, it's been on for a long time though, isn't it? There's been Jack, you have Peggle 2 on this list. What the fuck could you possibly say about Peggle 2 in 2021? I've got nothing to say. It's just that... I, it's know... great. Peggle 2 is great. I love Peggle. So I got, um, I got most of the way through Conkers, and it was like 11 o'clock last night, and uh, Snap wasn't out yet. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to go to bed yet. I want to play a game. And I was flipping through, you know, the uh, the archive on uh, Big Philly Spence's wonderful machine that I've just purchased. I keep forgetting. I keep forgetting you have an Xbox Series <laughs> S now. <laughs> yeah, and all I've used it to do so far is re-download Final Fantasy, play Conga's Bad Fur Day, and now play Peggle. Um, Good investment. Yeah, so I started playing Peggle at eleven o'clock at night, and then I checked my watch five minutes later, and it was like half twelve. I was like, oh yeah, this is what Peggle is. <laughs> uh, Peggle is still great, mate. I'm honestly, I, I, there's there's not a lot to say about it. I just I stuck it on the list because I just I couldn't. I'd forgotten like how much fun it was to play, like how ridiculously addictive it is. Like you know how addictive an all in Dave is for Picross. Oh, oh god, new... Picross Six came out this week. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes. why didn't I put that on my list? Oh, because it's fucking Picross. What? What? Okay, genuine, genuinely. What more is there in Picross 6 that isn't in the there's, previous there's edition? There's more Picross, Six, Mark. There's more Picross. That's all you I need. I get that. I get that. Look, I have at least three of them on my fucking Switch. I'm aware of Picross and what it is. But is there anything more in... Because, like, did you play um, Murder by Numbers yes, I played like two year? hours of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and... I, I liked the idea of taking Picross and putting it in like an, another mm. setting. I don't think the execution was that great because honestly, as I was playing through the story, all I was thinking was, just, you know what? Just I just want to get to the bits where I fucking play mm. Picross. And then I was thinking, well, I have a game where <laughs> I can just play Picross. It's called Picross. <laughs> I would then go play some Picross, and they were like, after, you know, maybe one or two puzzles, like, oh, you know what? I'm fucking, let's go play something else. Uh, have you played Picross 3D? Uh, on the DS no? and then Brown Two so. on the 3DS. Great no, games. No. It, you have you have to play. Is it like Picross but in 3D? Yeah. 
Basically. Is it like Tetris? So, so it's like instead of like uh, on a uh, you know Picross is your your standard grid where you're doing your maths, or as here you're like chiseling away at pieces as you do your Picross thing, and it forms the item in real time in three D. So like when wow. when you take out a block, it's like it, it reveals more of the shape. It's so good. I want them to release one on Switch. It's like shockingly good. It's somehow even better than regular Picross, which you wouldn't think is imaginable. Basically, you just my point mentioned it... Picross, and then away we go. <laughs> yeah, because the reason I offhand mentioned it is because all you Picross fanboys, <laughs> all you P- Picross fucking nerds, I out believe there, we go by like Picrossers. New... Yeah, Picrossers. Is Pablo this what's going to happen every time Garrett's on? You two are going to find <laughs> some fucking point of contention. No, see, I'm not pissed at Garrett here. I respect Garrett. He knows what he likes, pissed and he gets Picross. a new version of it. Where is my Moo Peggle? Okay, <laughs> literally, they have got an IP that is one of the greatest puzzle games that has been produced in the last twenty years. Well, it... that was that was bought by EA, yeah, right? Yeah. I, I don't. I don't. Well, because that probably <laughs> explains why there hasn't been a new one. Yeah. Okay. Right. So I'm mad at EA then, like like any any other time that I've been alive for the last whatever decades. Right. I just want a new Peggle game. I don't think it's much to ask. There's two of them. There's like 4,000 Picross games. Sorry, Garrett. Uh, there is, but it there is, is true. six. Then there's like the weird anime one. Then, uh, as, as as Mark mentioned, there's Murder by Numbers. Then you want the Picross 3D. Well, you can go back to like Mario Picross if you want to go all the there's way back Pokemon to Pokemon Picross. Yeah. Isn't it like a Picross S as well? Yeah, Picross or S is the Switch. Maybe one. I'm just thinking. Right. right, right. I, I just thought that was Picross. I didn't realize that the <laughs> S was separate from from the original Picross. Anyway. Like, give me a new Peggle game, you bastards. I mean, that, that, is, that is a fair thing to ask for. I've got two. Um, I've got two Peggle games, and they're both exceptionally fun to well, play. No, there was, there, there's Peggle Knights as well, but I think that, that was, was a, Yeah, on PC, but that's kind of tied in now with Peggle the First. It was like a... Oh, is it? Uh, yeah, okay, it's like, right. it more of an expansion, wasn't it? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's whenever you get Peggle, the original Peggle now. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I bought PopCap and stuff, and... Like, I, they make new Zuma games every now and then. Like, if I'm getting a Kurt Zuma game, why can't I get Peggle? That's just what I would say because they're probably putting all of their eggs in that. Because oh, I don't even want to say that Plants, Plants vs. Zombies is, like, casual at this point because they've turned it into, like, a fucking third-person shooter or battle arena or some nonsense like that. So I can't even kind of classify that as, like, a casual game, air quotes, anymore. So I don't know what the fuck they're doing. But you are right. I mean... Obviously, no game is easy to make, but, I mean, Peggle really is more... I mean, once you have the mechanics down, you just take the art style and then move everything into place, and then boom, yeah. off you go. a few new like, they could have been drip. They could have been drip-feeding fucking expansion packs for yeah. the last five years. Mark, what I'm saying is, they could fart a new Peggle game out, okay? And guess who would play it? Me. Immediately. But you know what? But you know what? They'll probably fuck it up and do like some sort of Peggle like, Ultimate Team. <laughs> what? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I've actually just made Mark put his head in his hands by saying that. <laughs> I, I was thinking, what was it? Was it Dungeon something or another? Like they, they made a new. They took the, the IP from an old game and then they turned it into like one of their fucking pay to win casual games. Yeah. Where it's like, hey, you can play for 10 minutes and now you have to either like pay more or wait three hours to play again. Was it them who fucked up Roller Coaster Tycoon? Yes, they did. Yeah. They fucked it up so bad that I think, like, the original creator had to go make a new one yeah. because, like... Yeah, 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 they made Planet Coaster, which is a f- still yes. a fantastic game. 
Um, it's everything like the, the the real spiritual success that's a roller coaster tycoon three. But I think it, I think he also like re-released roller coaster tycoon one yeah, and Chris two. Sawyer, yeah, Chris Sawyer. Yeah, because I was playing it on, on phone. Yeah. yeah, and when they re-released it with the with the bullshit taken out of it, you were like, oh yeah, these games are really fun. These are great games. Yeah. Um, why would you fuck? So up? yeah, so they'll they'll fuck up Peggle. They will because Mm-mm. did I feel like EA had already bought PopCap. Like before Peggle Two, but Peggle Two was just some thing. I want to say that's the case. My timelines might be a little bit off there, um, but I right. feel like I'd have to say they just basically took all of them and th- threw them onto whatever bullshit else they were they were working on, kind of casual games wise. At the end of the day, all it comes down to is this: give me a new Peggle, please. Oh, what, what? <laughs> like I'm not even going to be rude about it. I just want a new Peggle game because I played that last night and I was like, I still love this. This still rules. I can still play the original Peggle games. Do you know what I want? I so wish Nintendo had bought PopCap because oh. we'd have had a Peggle 99 oh. by now. Oh, Peggle 99. Stop it. I can only get so <laughs> excited. Picross 99. Yeah. Oh, go. oh God. I legitimately little... would want a Picross 99 <laughs> so much. Yep. Exactly. Anything 99, just 99 fires everything. Uh, you know? Actually, Nintendo should make yeah. a new Pushmo game. Those games ruled. On, on like puzzle games that should be brought back. Bring back Pushmo and Crashmo. Yeah. Can we just have... Uh, do you know what I'd really like? Triple Triad from Final Fantasy VIII 99. Oh, shut the fuck up, right? Jack. Triple Triad 99. That's what I need. <laughs> just because you Fucking... don't get it. Take your triple triads and your Gwents and all your dumb fucking card games and your dumb fantasy games and fuck off to into be the fair, sea. Triple so, triad made sense. If you played Final Fantasy Nine, yeah, you would have got I'll, Tetra I'll Master, you which makes no sense whatsoever. Tetra Master is the biggest abomination. <laughs> but luckily for Final Fantasy Nine, they had that cool um, like search treasure mode thing with the Chocobos as a side quest, which made up for the card game being complete absolute guff. I I, I know Jack is gonna like never talk to me again, but I I was fine with triple triad but the theme the song for triple triad yes, kind so of pissed me off after dun, the first dun, 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 three dun, dun, hours dun, dun, of it dun, 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 yeah dun, dun, it's it just dun, dun, it's got a bop but it also <laughs> the, there's like whatever's in the background yeah that's the best bit when it when it starts no it's the worst when it cuts out and goes army watching garrett knows what i'm talking about it's a great song but i actually i didn't mind triple triad it was it was all right it's a banger i'd say of the the things that I have issues with with Final Fantasy VIII, Triple Triad is not one of them. So yeah, exactly. I mean, there's no issues to be had. It's the greatest game of all time. With no, exception. I will fucking fly back home, <laughs> stay in quarantine for two weeks, then come and slap you. Twat me with an apple. <laughs> I will twat you with an apple. <laughs> <laughs> That's the theme of the show. <laughs> Let us move on to the news. Uh, speaking of people that I would like to twat with an apple. And now it's time for your Cyberpunk 2077 update. So, Jason Schreier, who, if you're not following on Twitter, you really should, because I swear to God, it's like every month he'll drop a bombshell about CD Projekt Red, and it's always just like the new, what the fuck is this company doing? Um, Cyberpunk managers still win big bonuses after shoddy game launch. So, this is over at Bloomberg.com. Uh, <laughs> I like how this starts. Hi everyone, it's Jason. Cyberpunk 2077 was the video games industry's biggest flop of 2020. By the way, I feel like Jason should start releasing these on like those yellow cards. Just start tweeting them on the apology things. 
<laughs> are using their graphic. Initially, when you said yellow card, I was like, early 2000s rock band, yellow card, are going to start working with Jason Schreier. Imagine he recorded all of Schreier his... Schreier rocking out the violin. Yeah, all of his Jason Schreier like, expose articles were in the form of a yellow card album. Uh, so, through its myriad of glitches, fueled the internet's meme machine, and Sony Call still refused to sell the game through its online store. Loved Vinnie Yet Jones' exec- and meme machine, by the way. Yet the executives who run the Polish studio that made the game will nonetheless receive millions of dollars in bonuses this year. The rest of the staff will also get bonuses, but some of them expected bigger ones and may have gotten more if the game's release had been delayed until it was ready, as they'd asked. If the developers had more time to work out the kinks and bugs, then CD Projekt would have likely sold more games, leading to higher profit. Instead, management pushed the game um, out anyway. Pay disparities between executives and their employees is a perennial issue throughout the business world. Blah, 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 blah. Um, Where are we? So... Um, yeah, so CEO Adam Kaczynski uh, slated to receive a bonus of 24 million zloty, which is about $6.3 million, uh, according to the annual report. And Adam Badowski, the uh, board member and director, will take home 4.2. So there's a whole bunch of stuff here, but basically these two people are going to make a shit ton of money, and all the people that did really the hard work and the grind and the crunch are going to probably be taking home less. So, um... Yeah, this is in a long line of stories we've had about CD Projekt Red this year that um, when it comes to the end of the year, as I think I've said every single time, they're probably going to be high in contention for the Konami Corner Award. Isn't it nice yeah. when the, the horrible people who make bad decisions and release things get more money and the nice people who are overworked and say don't make bad decisions and are the consequences of, that, of those bad decisions make less money? Isn't that fair? Isn't the world just a fair place? <laughs> capitalism yeah that's all i've got to add i just it was infuriating because what the game still made like you know however many millions sold of dollars 13 million copies whatever in 10 days, which is yeah um but i i think it is the the and i i don't know if it's like the right thing to look at but it is the kind of like how many more millions could they have sold if this game had come out you know and not been fucking broken beyond belief. Because um, they didn't report anything about like how many copies were refunded. I would presume they didn't. Uh, I didn't see it I anywhere. I saw a, a, a um, paltry number. I thought it was. I saw like something like 70,000 at one stage during the week. I, 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 that seems it, tiny. I, I, remember, I, I, I saw a number that just seemed like bizarrely low. But then again, I, I, I bought know, it but and I guess didn't maybe, ask for a refund. So like, maybe there's just lots of people yeah. like me. I, I be guess, bothered. but... Maybe that was also like physical copies as well, because I I don't know. Maybe like digital editions are are that much more of a pain to get refunds on, and maybe people just took it back to to the shop, like GameStop or whatever, and just kind of traded it in for you know whatever thing that was out at the time. I don't know. I don't I don't know how they they track specific things like that. Um, but yeah, this this just sucks, and I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure this is not the last time Shrier is going to be reporting about CD Projekt Red this year. I googled um, it and somebody says two million copies have been refunded, which feels closer to accurate. That, that seems more. Yeah, seventy thousand yeah. was probably the first hour they opened <laughs> the window, <laughs> trying to get all the refunds in. But like, I mean, what's next? Because so, because I think we were talking about this um, either last week, the week before last, that 
they've obviously the, there'll be patches coming out. There will be updates coming out this year. Um, I think they had they had like the one point two release that was meant to fix a bunch of. Th- there was the the fucking Chris Jericho's one thousand and four moves list long <laughs> patch notes <laughs> that just went on and on and on and was just like how fucking broken was this game on? I hope like Chris Jericho's list like a good two hundred of them were the same bug. <laughs> the same thing. Yeah, oh, just arm bar, arm bar just snuck in. T pose. Reason number seven five six. T pose. But here's the thing: I appreciated the transparency of them showing how much stuff that they fixed, but it was also just like a massive red flag of like, do you not realize how bad this looks? How much shit was broken? Oh, huge self burial. Yeah, but they they you know? they walked out on irony a long time ago. You know, like it, it's just hilarious now. The, the, the true cyberpunk is... experience is not the game; it's the, the the release of the game. This is this is the the meta commentary on capitalism. <laughs> I thought you were gonna, I thought you were gonna say it's the punks you met along the way. <laughs> way, uh, yeah. Carry on with with uh, capitalism being the the greatest form of uh, an economic system. Activision Blizzard boss Bobby Kotick takes fifty percent pay cut. But could still earn millions in bonuses. Um, this isn't anything like major to report about, but I just like anytime I can bring up Bobby Kotick on this show and get Jack to cut a promo as he is one to oh, do. I don't know how many more I've got left in me on Bobby Kotick. I honestly don't. It's a jess, yeah. So I'll tell you, a recent investor filing revealed that Kotick has extended his employment agreement to 31st March 2023, but with a significant base salary pay cut. So hey, base salary know, means nothing to these people. Exactly, mm, I know. Right? I'm shaking Kotick my fist. Kotick was earning 1.75 million a year from his base salary. He will now earn 875,000 a year. Uh, also reduced to his uh, target annual bonus being reduced by 50%, which is a potential reduction of 1.75 million for the fiscal years of 2021-2022. Uh, however, under the new agreement, Kotick can still earn an annual bonus of up to 200% of his base salary. So that's a potential 1.75 on top of his 875,000 last year. Um, on top of that as well, uh, Kotick set to earn nearly 200 million in stock bonus. So, what the fuck are we even doing here? <laughs> He'll be 800,000 bucks less worth, well, off. The poor guy will be destitute. He has 600 million dollars of net worth. Like, like realistically, you could... if you want to do like a token gesture, be like, I'm not going to take pay. It's still a Pay token gesture, but be rolls. like, I'm only going to take 800000 as my base salary, despite making all this money off stock options and bonuses and other potential uh, bonuses I can get on top of all of that as well. At least be like, I'm going to take nothing in base salary. It means nothing to him, but at least it's a, yeah. a reasonable token gesture. Pay him in sausage rolls. Take a fucking branch of Greg's out of Rochdale or some random town and fly it over brick by brick, piece by piece, and build it next door to Bobby Kike's office. Have it produce nothing but sausage rolls and pay him weekly in sausage rolls because that's what they should do because it makes no difference to him. If he was paying them a million dollars a year to work there... He would still be a strangely, ridiculously rich man. I don't even know how he's so well, rich. Well, let's think. He never has to be paid again. You know, he's doing all right. And the crucial thing that this article points out from from Eurogamer, as all articles should when it's dealing with stuff like this, is the fact that in March, Activision Blizzard warned staff of impending layoffs across its offices in Europe. Um, it's just that it's that you know 
dichotomy, that, that parallel just of one guy, you know, earning 200 million in stock while however many people are probably going to be laid off. Because I know, I, I feel like they laid off a bunch of people in their, their Cork um, centre because they have a big uh, support centre. I used in to work Cork. next to it. Uh, I used to see oh, I used to work in a betting company was in the offices next to it, so... Did you that? ever go over there and take anything up? No. I was like, hey, give me some no. Call of Duty scoops that I can sell on the internet for money. Yeah. There you go. Uh, but with that said, Blizzard said they expect to hire 3,000 people in 2021, mostly in production and development. Um, also, keep in mind that we also had everything with Blizzard announcing the layoffs uh, in their, their live events and esports sector, um, which also... Um, they were given like 90 day severance and also a $200 gift card for mm-hmm. Battle.net, if you remember that I story. I wonder does Kotick also get the $200 <laughs> gift card <laughs> No. Very important to note here Activision Blizzard is better than expected. 2020 revenue was $8.09 billion, up from $6.49 billion in for 2019. Yeah. And I think I saw on Twitter today that like basically everyone is just working on Call of Duty stuff. They've cancelled the literally everything. Um, yeah, every single studio yeah. that Activision have under their banner is a Call of Duty support studio now, which is it's just the just... worst. That this they have ruined all and like just give up Crash. If you're gonna do that, sell these IP. Stop sitting on them. You're sitting there being like, yeah, uh, Toys for Bob can be a freaking support studio, and Vicarious Visions can be a support studio. When we've seen the games these people can make, and they're really really good and they really sell quite well and no they're not call of duty so we'll roll it all into so they can be the people who work on like i don't know 500 megabytes of the newest 100 gigabyte patch in call of duty i hate vicarious visions aren't making tony hawks three plus four right they're not i'm gonna they've they've been rolled into call of duty forever yeah what a waste. Actually, it, it they're, really they're is like the the, uh, the Blizzard side, aren't they? The way that's they're not even they're they're not even on the Activision side, wasn't it? That the Vicarious Divisions were supporting Blizzard now. Blizzard, I, yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's 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 like the WWE arms race of like just hoarding as much talent as possible, not for the purpose of actually using them, but just to make sure they can't be you know making money elsewhere or doing whatever God, elsewhere. But like license it. Uh, Let someone else make I'm sure there's an indie studio or a double A studio or even probably some triple A studios who would be like, yeah, give us crash. We'd love it. Just let them go make it. You could probably you, I, I'm not saying this like a, a one-for-one comparison, but you think about like Sega just saying, look, we can't make a fucking good Sonic game, so we'll let the people that have been making good Sonic projects, we'll let them go and do it. And hey, we got Sonic Mania and it was even great. Even like today, uh, Pokemon so, yeah. Snap is a Bandai Namco game. It's just like Nintendo. It's like, yeah, go make Pokemon Snap. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Look at fucking Pokemon Go. It's one of the biggest games in the world. There you go. Niantic, you can have this. Give it a whirl. How much money is that some made of the, Some of the best Nintendo stuff over the last 20, 30 years hasn't been... Like, you think about Camelot and what they've done with the Nintendo franchise. <laughs> Whenever I hear it, I can't hear it. It's Camelot! Uh, yeah. And I'm like, Camelot! <laughs> Every time. Or even like uh, on the, the freaking the Capcom... Uh, Zelda games, which is the weirdest yeah. phenomenon, but there you go. It's like, yeah, Capcom, go make some cool handheld Zelda games that now everybody loves. Yeah. Let people make Spyro. God. <laughs> I inspire it. Like, well, I, that's even more surprising because that trilogy did pretty well. Yeah. If if I'm aware, so I I don't I don't know I don't understand. It's purple well, I, It's it's. 
I don't know if people are just tightening their belts because they're just kind of terrified that, like, hey, no one's going to buy games because no one has any money at the moment, so let's just make keep making the same thing and just, like, play the kind of short-term gains in, like, okay, well, everyone plays Call of Duty, so we'll just pump everything into that. Uh, which, I guess, short-term does make sense, but long-term, but that even, can't... But even if you look at, like... Animal Crossing, Sensation, made so much money. Switches couldn't be gotten during the summer. PlayStation 5 is Sony's fastest-selling console ever. It's not... Yeah. And you can't even get one, and it's still their fastest-selling console ever. It's like, there is plenty of point. money out. People are, uh, people are stuck at home, where, like, there's people don't want movies at home. Stuck at home downloading yeah, Warzone. they want to play the games. God. Give yeah. me Peggle 3. Yeah, give Activision. Make Peggle 3. <laughs> I don't care who has to do it. Put Crash in Peggle 3. Fucking Spyro launching balls at pegs. Twatting right, them with so apples. Here's a bunch of words that I did not expect to read today. Uh, Hitman developer reportedly developing a fantasy IP for Xbox. Uh, IO Interactive has begun working on a new fantasy IP for Xbox, which features Scalebound Revival! <laughs> <laughs> but by the way, how much would you love it if they just literally got David Bateson and took Agent Forty Seven and just put him in a wizard's robe and that was the main character? Choking out dragons with fiber wire. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, this is all according to a report by Windows Central, which states that uh, it's one of several projects Microsoft is working on with external developers to be released under the Xbox Game Studios publishing banner. Uh, Eurogamer sources uh, have also heard word of this, um, which is described as being AAA in scope, though still very early in development, and years away. It's currently planned to feature a large medieval-esque world and, yes, winged beasts of the dragon variety. Um, we know that, obviously, they're working on the next James Bond game. Um, there are hopes that that will be a trilogy, and the expectation is IO will double its size to 400 staff by the time of its release. So if anything, or if nothing else, this at least shows that IO is in a very healthy situation compared to where they were uh, about two years comeback. ago. Yeah. So that's good news. Yeah. Oh, what a comeback. Oh, mate, I, did a, I, I cut a huge promo on IO a few weeks ago about how happy I was that like, they just managed from, from literally they were having Hitman outsourced away from them. They were, they were at the brink of shuttering to now just absolutely smashing it. Because like, there's probably so a world happy. where Square does give away Hitman and IO is like a, a Just Cause support team in Square Enix or some nonsense like that. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Activision like, like bought them. Port project or something. Yeah. I'd love it if Activision bought them, they're just making fiber wire as a, the only thing they do as an asset for Call of Duty now. Whereas now they're making Bond. They're making exclusive games. What the hell does this mean for the future of Hitman? Who knows? Uh, yeah, that's, like, I guess, like... Because for everything we've spoken about Hitman, I guess the thing we haven't asked now is, like, what actually comes next for Hitman? Because that trilogy, you know, that's tied off in a nice, neat and tidy package. Like, we don't... I guess you, maybe if you want to do some more expansions, that's fine. But, like, what the fuck do you do next with that? You can't reboot it again, so... You do, though, don't you? You probably... You, may, you maybe wait a few years and then you make another Hitman game. You finally build all the way up to the sequel and you finally make Hitman. There we go. Hit men. Yes. Yeah. How many men can you hit? <laughs> an apple. Here's an apple. <laughs> go twat some men. Uh, they are opening a third location in Barcelona to help the company further grow, which, hey, like, if IO, if you need a community manager, I'm all up for moving to Barcelona. I'm just, just wow. putting it out there. Abandoning yeah. Thanks. 
Well, look, I've been here for five years, right? Yeah, I'm, that's fair. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm good for some vitamin D now, he's in, please. He's in one country that's proud of its independence. Now he's moving to another that wants its independence. He's just going straight to Catalonia. Mark is the uh, the great socio of the podcast, of course. <laughs> uh, I guess keeping slightly on topic, socio, but not quite. No, it's a terrible segue. Anyway, football manager joins clubs and players in social media boycott over online abuse. Uh, so for anyone not in the know, uh, basically everything kind of football related um, is going on. I don't know if like all every club in the country is doing the boycott i'd imagine most of them are at least there's only like the the 20 premier league uh, teams uh they're basically having a social media boycott over online abuse um this uh, we spoke a few weeks ago or maybe a month or two ago about everything with ian wright and that case that ended up going to court um he's obviously not the only uh, you know uh, black player or ex-player that has dealt with racial abuse um uh, son, I can never say his full name from Tottenham. He's obviously had a whole bunch of abuse basically any time he kicks a ball. Um, so it's obviously it's not just black people, but it's anyone of any kind of ethnic minority or otherwise. And yeah, so football as a whole is really going on a social media blackout this weekend, which I know some people will say the whole thing about well, what does this actually achieve. I think this is actually kind of the biggest... The biggest kind of campaign or at least kind of biggest statement made to this point, um, I know that we've had for since the George Floyd killing last year, uh, every Premier League game. I, I don't know if it extends to like the the lower leagues, if they're all doing the taking a nil before the start of a match or if it is just the Premier League. Yeah, that's so um, But that, you know, that is a massive statement in itself. And like, I think we're getting to the point. There was a great article on, um, God, I don't know if it was the the... the athletic i can't remember was exactly but there was a really good article i read today about like the a meeting that all of the premier league captains was doing uh with some of the 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 kind of fa and government executives and basically just saying that this is just unacceptable and really trying to because they were saying this like it's no good us making a stand we need to get like you know middle-aged white men we need them to be outraged as well that's the only way this is actually gonna you know anything is gonna happen from this and it seems like that is now the case um, so yeah, the whole reason with this is the football manager also will be joining clubs um, for the social media boycott over online abuse, which is which is great. Um, and this is actually extending to like so much stuff. Even anyone that's kind of tangentially connected to it, like you've got like the Guardian Football podcast, like they're doing a social media uh, boycott. I think like the Football Ramble is as well. So it's 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 really kind of picked up traction. Um, I don't know what comes out of the end of it, but the fact it's happening, I think, is 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 amazing. And the fact that everyone's on board of it, it isn't just like you know one person. It's not just like Marcus Rashford, uh, as as amazing as that man is, and some of the heroic heroic things he's been doing over the last twelve months. Uh, it's not just him, you know. It's, it really feels like a kind of a, a gathering, an effort of the entire football community, uh, which is much much needed. Yeah. Did you see the the f- um, figures United published earlier? I did not know. So, like, since September 2019, there was a 350% increase in abuse directed towards the club's players, and they subcategorized it, and there were 3,300 posts uh, against United players. 86% of them were racist, (sighs) right? 8% of them were homophobic or transphobic. The vast majority of the posts contained either the N-word or variants of it, and emojis with monkeys, chimps, bananas, and gorillas. Like, I just think, like, 
what the hell? Like, why? I like. I know this has always been a problem. Yeah, and it's, and it's, it's, it's really general, not a football problem either. It's a online. It's it's yeah, it's, a, it's yeah. every industry, um, definitely. But three hundred fifty percent increase since September twenty nineteen. I mean, is this influence? By the pandemic of people who just stuck in their homes and they just decide to be horrible and nasty and racist to people as a, a way of dealing with their own shit, they can't deal with that. Or is it just people like genuinely think that 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 is the solution now? Like anytime something bad happens, I'm just going to go and do this. Like, is it a trend? Yeah, and instead of saying, be- "Oh no, Manchester United lost," I am upset. Our girl. You'll just go. Oh no, Manchester United lost. Allow me to racially abuse Marcus Rashford online. Is is that is that yeah. legitimately what's happening here? That like instead of just being like, I am upset that my football team was relegated. Is it instead going to the next step of well, obviously it's these people's fault for these reasons, and I must now racially abuse them. I t- and it's the fact that there was a little video the end right earlier, and, and Alan Shearer, and he's like, I got this this morning, and he read out like a really horrible racist thing someone had sent him. And Alan Shearer was like, you're going to report him. And it's like, he's got all the scar tissue of reporting the, the the kid from Ireland who, you know, said the horrible stuff to him about the ultimate team card thing, which is just so, so fucking stupid. Um, and he's just like, well, after all of that, like, he's like, I don't want to put the kid in prison. But he had, you know, he'd like some sort of like formal education for like, you know, raci- racism or community service or something that he should have to do to kind of put the error of his ways but he just got away with it and he's his point was like why am i taking myself through that every single time someone does this to me like that the, the problem should be stopping it at the source rather than allowing it to continue and then like having people to have to go through it like i felt really bad for um for callan robinson because west brom came to Stamford bridge and beat, beat chelsea 5-2 which considering their recent results is an incredibly impressive result and then he just got a bunch of Racial abuse after the game, it's like, that's probably maybe one of the best games, it's definitely the best game of his career so far. Um, And, like, that's immediately tarnished and tainted by people doing this. I just don't understand why people are doing this. Like, it's it's crazy to me. Again, it's not just, like, football fans, though, Mm -hmm. let's be honest. You know, football fans, by and large, are not exactly um, the most articulate fucking group of people sometimes in the way they provide their feedback. Um, But... You know, a large portion of this, and the whole reason this is happening, is that the fact that social media companies have just been compliant. I'm sure they are doing some things, but you know, when you look at it by and large, they are they are compliant with this, and these things are happening because there, there is no consequence, there is no action taken at the root source for these people. You know, making these decisions, these choices to go online onto whatever platform to you know say these awful things um whether they will take note of this boy this this boycott happening this weekend this blackout um you know remains to be seen but it really is just it is a point now it's like there has to be i i think i think twitter or instagram said that like any words specific words like racially offensive words um, will be like immediately automatically deleted or whatever the case may be but you know if people want to be offensive they will find ways to be offensive you know they don't just need to use the n-word they can use emojis they can spell things in specific ways i know this because i deal with this on a day-to-day basis and i see if someone wants to say something offensive they will find a way to do it so yeah you can do like a a, a 
a whitelist or blacklist or whatever on on specific words but that is a very very temporary um band-aid on a much much wider issue and that is not going to fix it like the problem really is like the burden of moderation usually falls on the individual whether it's Ian Wright on its personal yep. Twitter, or whether it's on Manchester United on their account, it's like these individual brands and people, the burden of moderation falls on them, and it really shouldn't. Because then we're that's literally the, just the dealing with this say, like, uh, as a case-by-case basis as it happens, instead of, you know, trying to cut it out altogether. Yeah, and, that's like, and like you have the whole thing there with Alan Shearer. It's like, well, why didn't you report it? And it's a case of, like, why the fuck yeah, should I have to Not only is he subject it? to the why? abuse, it is now his responsibility to fix it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, you know? Yeah, and 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 it's uh and obviously you know Alan Shearer is is not racist or anything like that. This is a case of here is a man in privilege who doesn't understand the situation because he is not you know he does not have to deal with it. Which nine times out of ten is the whole issue here is that you know white people in this specific kind of context don't understand because they don't have to deal with it. So obviously their response will just be, well, just report it. It's like, no, no. if you were dealing with yeah. this, you would understand that does not solve this. In his defense, he was asking if he was going to report it um, after what had happened before. So it wasn't like a case of him saying you should go report it. Like, it's a good video. I think people should watch it. Cause it's like three- I'm sure he means it yeah. in all earnestness. Yeah, like know, he's I'm, just I'm asking sure, him yeah. like a guy, yeah, yeah. guy to guy kind of... It, it, it is a very casual like three minute thing. And I think anybody that thinks about being racist i've not seen many better videos that encapsulate like the effect that it has on somebody the long-term consequences and just the general like it just a really quick thing to just grab you and say look this this is fucked up like why would you do this to somebody else there's there's no real reason for it like there's a humanity to it and it doesn't just stop at racism like as that man united thing said like eight percent of the abusive players again are like homophobic and transphobic as well it's like what the fuck and when when you like, look at like uh, statistically the number of out footballers is staggeringly low and is in yeah. in this country is zero yeah, and like, like there, there's an obvious reason why that's the case because the kind of abuse they would get yeah we don't have an industry that's conducive to supporting that sort of thing which is it's just crazy really um but yeah it, it the whole the one thing that I see a lot people say, um, and it's really hard to defend, and I've never really heard a great answer for it, but is the quickness and sharpness that official content will be removed from Twitter or any other social media. Like, if I watch a goal go in and I film it on my phone and then I put a video up, like, that will be off Twitter. Quick snap. Somebody will f- immediately grab that footage and take that off so quickly. And I know that's probably an automated process, right? Which is fair enough. But if you can automate a process to do something like that, you can automate a process to take certain things out, certain words out, and immediately blacklist somebody's account and and ban them just for the fact that they've typed the word and click send on it. You know, you you click send on it and it doesn't even take you to the sent tweet page. It just takes you to, oh, by the way, you're banned now and... If you do it again, you're never coming back on the website again. Bang. So the problem with that is if you have people, you know, there are always the 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 circumstances of, like, something being taken out of context where someone is trying to have, like, uh, an actual kind of debate or conversation around this. And obviously the, the circumstances where that happens on the internet, 
on Twitter or whatever, it's probably, you know, like in the 2% range or whatever the case may be. But you're probably going to have those false positives where, you know, just a video clip that is obviously copyrighted, you know, that comes down and, and there's no kind of debate about it. But you probably do get those false positives where someone's trying to have... Like, because Twitch has the whole issue where... Uh, or, or YouTube as well, like where like LGBTQ stuff was being categorized in a specific category where it was... Um, people couldn't make any money off of it because of how it was being flagged. And it was like an uh, an automated detection, which was just the algorithm itself was was wrong but uh, and you know it was kind of like um inherently biased or whatever the case may be so i don't think you i don't think it is easy as just automating a system like that i wish it was but i, I don't think it is just as as binary like as the, that the problem is I it think... probably goes back to financial incentives on all sides like the reason that clip oh, yeah, of that of chelsea goal gets cut down immediately is because whoever the premier league has on content enforcement is searching twitter and every industry to take that down the second it goes up and they're paying for that because yep. that protects their bottom line and to go back to the on the twitter side of things in order to do this properly in order to actually moderate content you'll need people and in order to do that, you need to pay those people, and these companies just aren't willing to do that. They're not willing to actually uh, mm-hmm. resource the moderation on nearly enough to actually deal with the problem. Yeah, which and, and which makes on, the ban- on top of that as well. On, so I was going to say that makes Sorry, the, just... the need for the blackout that makes sense mm-hmm. as to why that's the option, Garrett. Because then if they can hit the bottom yeah. line by just not using it. Like, have longer and longer blackouts. Yeah, like, legitimately, my next step would be FIFA or whatever being like, if you do not fix this, we'll start our own football social media site where we'll bring all these highlights to. And it's the only place, if you want your Cristiano Ronaldo Instagram feeds or your Zlatan Ibrahimovic Twitters, that's where you'll have to go. And that'll hit their bottom line in a very meaningful way. With blackjack and hookers, <laughs> they'll start their new own thing, right? But just just the the, the point there about like moderation, um, it's also not just as easy to say, "Hey, we'll hire a bunch of moderators." You need specific people to do that kind of job, and I know people that have worked in moderation. Now they're dealing with, I'd probably say, far more like. Oh, I, graphic, saw, I saw a story this distressing... week about the, some of the people that have like legitimate PTSD from having to deal with moderating extreme yes. content on uh, Facebook. Yeah, like I, I know someone who, like, he can only he only could work um, uh, for like a very short period of time. He would have counselling on a week to week basis that was you know paid for. Um, you know, you need like specific people, and again, I'd hope to think that for this type of thing, it's obviously nowhere near as distressing. But still, it's a lot of stuff. Like if you're seeing that kind of thing day in day out, it still like takes its toll. How absolutely on you. Um, awful is the internet that like the people who have to moderate yeah, are having like legitimate emotional scarring just trying to be like that content is shit. We can't put that on the internet. Why are we like this? I just want to yeah. see memes. Just. Why has everyone got to be a dick? Give me gifts of, of wrestling and memes of cats. Why can't we get them? We can't even get, we, we can't even get gifts of wrestling these days. That's all getting know. fucking blocked as well. Yeah, New um, Japan can wave their fucking dick around and get all their gifts taken down, but yet a racist... Of, it just, yeah. Every... Yeah. It, it's infuriating. It really does just come down to as well, basically everything here is, it just comes down to money. Like, yeah. if... if, if enough pressure is put on the social media companies and hey i'm not saying this is in any comparison this apples and oranges compared to like the super league but hey if you put enough pressure 
and and you show that like hey all this money you think is here is not here or just i don't know i i feel like impact can or change can happen and hopefully the boycott uh can play a part in in this um i was really here just to talk about football manager but hey i feel we had a pretty good conversation about this uh, by large yeah i mean to garrett's point it infects every industry it infects video games you know like we saw a couple of years ago with gamergate like how socially damaging that was for that for this kind of community and stuff like that so it's just something that i think you always get back to in society and you know the golden rule is just be nice and respect your fellow people that's all you should do that's all you should be trying to do in life it's not hard on a very different uh, topic and tone, but to finish, to round us up with the news, uh, Fall Guys has been delayed in terms of its release on Xbox and Switch. Uh, Mediatonic have said they need more time to incorporate everything they want to do for launch. Obviously, you know, everyone's working from home, so I'm sure that hasn't helped in the grand scheme of things. Um, but on the positive side, crossplay is on the way, uh, which, let's be honest, for a game like Fall Guys, um, you know, crossplay is a pretty crucial feature. Uh, I feel like their uh, auto cheat detection is working pretty well. Like, I haven't seen, uh, you know, many articles or stories or kind of widespread complaints about cheating in Fall Guys in a way that we still get with with Warzone and the like. So I'd like to think that, you know, crossplay between pc and switch won't you know there won't be you know a, a bombardment of hackers that you're playing with now if you're trying to play on switch cross play against pc players that's the hope anyway um but that's it's cool it's it i think it you know is absolutely necessary that they have cross play like i don't know what their um dup what their daily uh kind of average player base looks like these days um but you know the last time i played couple of weeks ago i was still getting into a game with 40 people 50 people pretty easily um although however many i don't know how they use bots in in the game but i imagine at some point there has to be a number of bots just to fill out uh, a lobby if they run out but yeah it's cool it's good uh i i played a bit of the season four and uh, i like the the new levels and i'm i'm happy to come back to that game every couple of months or so it's like rocket league you don't yeah. really need any level of skill to, to play that no, game it, you can just jump in and be like all right yeah I know it's a real easy pickup yeah um i mean i think i i it, I've, i don't want to put it on the same pedestals rocket league obviously which is you know one of the goats the greatest game of the last this generation. is where garrett tells us i hate rocket league i i played like two hours of rocket league i have no firm stance on rocket league oh that's there we good go. I just I I just like that you're just coming on here and just slaying the uh, sacred cows left right and center. I just, just um, Mark invites me on to ruin Jack's day. <laughs> That's basically the way this podcast. Works. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man. Um, but yeah, like uh, it's 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 a good thing, and the crossplay element of it hopefully get more people back on board because it wouldn't. I mean, obviously, Fall Guys was massive when it came out, but it wouldn't be unusual in the way that these battle royale games have gone in the last few years. For there to be another massive Fall Guys resurgence at some oh, point, like this, this game will it... do so well on Switch. Like, if yeah. you look at uh, Switch really every, t- look at the Switch sales charts. Like, Among Us is up the top of it every single week, and I feel like Fall the, Guys. Are I, the you've same. taken the point. You completely taken the point. Out. Brilliant. <laughs> I, 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 and I don't. I'm not even. I'm not mad. I'm just. I'm, that's exactly the point I was going to make. That I looked yesterday to download Pokemon Snap Among Us, a game which came out quite a while ago. Right, it's top of the charts still. Above yeah, but it's like snap. two quid, isn't it? 
it, it, yeah, but that's kind of not the point, is it? The fact that it's still there, it's still relevant. Yeah, it came out in December. Still yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah. It, it, if they can get to that sort of status where they kind of re-snowball or whatever, then I think crossplay is going to be a a big part of that for them going forward. So yeah, fair play. What's the price tag on four guys? It's not. It's like twenty, thirty quid. Yeah, I don't know how much. I don't know how much it will launch on Switch for. I wouldn't have thought much more than twenty. No, the the crucial thing for that though, like when it does come, is those servers have to be working on day one. Um, and now, in fairness, like they haven't had, from what I can see, you know, widespread server issues since the game came out. So I'd like to think they'll be in a, a place to deal with that. But you know, like it's the type of thing where you know, Four Guys is not exactly uh, kind of in the mainstream radar at the moment, but. When it comes back out on, on when it comes out on Switch and Xbox, I'm sure there will be that uptick uptick again of like, hey, cool, right, yeah, let's go and play some Four Guys for the first time in a while. Um, so I just hope that the servers are stable. And like in the like uh, to go back to Among Us, that was announced for PS5 and PS4 yesterday, and I think the same thing will happen then when it comes it was. out. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Yep. Yeah. All right, well, that is it for this week. Uh, as usual, you can listen to us on all of your podcasting platforms of choice. You can contact us on Twitter at Link to the Cast if you have any questions, any feedback, any complaints. If you want to tell us how we are wrong and the ways we are wrong, by all means, feel free to do so. Um, Garrett, you're a man on the internet. Where can people oh, find you? Oh, you can follow me on Twitter at Garrett Kidney, G A or E T T K I D N E Y. Uh, I have a YouTube channel where I haven't made a video since I last plugged it on this podcast, but that's um, uh, YouTube.com/slash Garrett Kidney, and uh, also a podcast. My brother, Magic by Design, MagicByDesign.broadspot.com, or search for your podcasting platforms where we review all the Disney animated movies. We just did Racket Ralph. We're doing Frozen this week, so there you go. I I can't wait to hear your takes on. Frozen. It's a great film. I love Frozen, so I, I I'm excited yeah. to rewatch it because I haven't I haven't rewatched it since I first saw it in cinemas. So I'm excited to rewatch it. Wow. I I actually I only saw Frozen just before Frozen Two came out. I, I for some reason it just I, it passed me by, and then I just knew it was like the biggest thing ever, but I never actually got around to watching it, which I'm prone to do sometimes. But yeah, Frozen's pretty good. I'm I'm happy enough that I actually liked it because I kind of went in thinking that ah oh, this is just it's going to be overrated or whatever the case but no it actually was was pretty yeah, good. It's a good film. I, I Disney make pretty solid films these days. Like they haven't had too many re- absolute stinkers in recent years. I would say. And you can find out whether I say that by think. listening to Magic Fighters. <laughs> there he is. Hey, there well, we when, go. When, I mean, like when are me and Mark coming on? Then we can we can discuss this pick one that you absolutely hate and get me on and then we can have a big debate about it how do you feel about the aristocats (laughs) i actually really oh here we go (laughs) yes i thought that film has been cancelled though has it well yeah it has the uh the yeah there's a lot of problematic stuff in the early disney yeah the crows and stuff. peter pan is so upsetting because like half of it is a really good movie and then the other half is like deeply racist and tragically bad and it's like no but i like the other half so much (laughs) oh yeah that's all that's why everyone should go watch shrek that's my advice from earlier (laughs) and we have come full fucking circle somebody once told me that they should go watch shrek that's what that's what you should do oh dear until next week uh thank you jack thank you very much garrett for coming on and uh yeah i guess we will see you next time (laughs) 